So Ben, BitBoy, I, I don't know. It's funny because when people, when you're on crypto podcasts, yeah. people only call you BitBoy. It's weird, yeah. And I'm like, that's really <laughs> fucking weird. Your name's Ben, but whatever. Okay, so Ben Armstrong. Thank you. I appreciate you coming out. So you, I'm going to obviously let you sort of speak through your accolades and your story. Okay. But you have what, like 1.4 million on YouTube. You have a million on, so like millions of followers. Yeah. Um, you are arguably the gateway into crypto in North America. I know there's other channels that really do a good job of capturing it, but North America, I'm pretty sure you're like, I'm number one. Yeah. You're number one. Uh, overall with all social reach, I'm number one. That's badass. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you even mentioned that this was not something that you've even been doing for a significant period of time. No. It's not 10 years. So, uh, like <clears throat> let's go through the, the Ben Armstrong origin story. Yeah. Um, and it didn't start with crypto. So where to start? Yeah. So, uh, the Ben Armstrong origin story, um, you know, I was running side businesses and doing side hustles. You really got to go to, uh, uh, back, uh, July 29th, 2007, that's the day that I overdosed. And um, it's, it's, hard, it's hard for people to really understand my story without understanding that's the centerpiece of my life. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, what was the best day of your life? You know, like, oh, I got three kids. It's when my kids were born. It's when my wife, uh, you know, said yes to being one of the only girls ever that would date me or whatever it is, you know. And, um, you know, but I, the best day for my, you know, in the history of my life was the day that I overdosed and I ended up going to rehab. So um, I was on, like, meth from... 2000 to 2007, pretty much wow. every day, like 17 to 24. And uh, I overdosed, was in a hospital bed, like almost died. And, um, you know, uh, three days in a coma, eight days in ICU. It came out, went to jail, and then got out of there and went to rehab. And so I ended up going to college. I got married. I did all that stuff afterwards. But, like, that was the center of my life. So you can't tell the Ben Armstrong origin story without understanding my life was really jacked up before. I'd been to jail a bunch of times, all kinds of stuff. And then after that, finding peace and finding, you know, um, you know, a, a new reason to live, I guess, um, or not a new reason, like finding a reason to live, you know, I was out there killing myself every day. Uh, that, that's what ultimately led me to where I'm at today. And I think going through that time, going through, I mean, a lot of people who have been through what I've been through, they're very successful. It's because just beating something like an addiction, mm. it's one of the hardest things to do. And it was all the things that I learned while I was there in rehab that, uh, you know, I've kept in my life and have been able to keep me grounded and stuff like that. Like, I'm just always thankful every day that I'm alive, you know, because I remember waking up in the hospital bed like, shouldn't be alive right now, um, you know. Wow. And so that's that's that piece of the story that leads me into uh, I worked in recovery uh, basically for, until after from, you recovered, you were helping others. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I worked in recovery. It didn't pay that great. Uh, the last job that I had was executive director of uh, a rehab facility for teenage boys. And so if you would have told me like what I'm doing today, like, you know, eight years ago, I'd be like, there's no way that doesn't make sense. I don't even like finance. It's boring. And so, but the, there's a lot of crossover between what I do now and what I did then because it's helping people. And that's what I'm really passionate about is, is helping people get into the truth of things, trying to help people change their financial futures. Um, the first few years I was doing my channel, like I wasn't doing that because nobody was watching, but now years later, uh, you know, we, we have a bigger impact than we ever had. I have a bigger impact now than I had when I was like actually working in nonprofit and recovery. You stuff. have scale now. You have leverage. You have a yeah. channel. You have an audience. You have a yeah. community. What got you into crypto? So I was having to do a lot of side hustles along the way yeah. because like I said I didn't pay that great. So I had a, a, a white label sports and concert ticket business. So I... It was a company called Ticket Network was the main company. It's a big company. A lot of the ticket websites out there are up underneath their umbrella. And so I had this hustle where I was selling tickets, and it was going really well. All I did was drive traffic. I drove traffic 
they did the payment processing, they did the shipping, they did the listing. Once it once they clicked my buy link, it went to another page. So it was just purely driving traffic. What was doing on Craigslist? What year was it? 2011 was the year I started. Okay. 2011. So um, I, I started that, and I was using a, an auto poster on Craigslist because one thing I've always been really good at mm. is scaling. Like nobody can outwork me, you know, and I know how to build a team and I know how to lean on that team and leverage. And so I was able to scale from basically working at a car wash, making $25,000 a year um, at that time in 2011, uh, to making 350K my second year doing the ticket business. Wow. Because I just, I, I scaled up so much. My first week. So you're like using marketing automation. Auto, auto, auto listing on Craigslist. I was using a, a product called <laughs> Craigslist auto, auto Poster. It's called Clad Genius. And it was massive back then. I got to where I was posting 800,000 ads a day. On wow. Craigslist across Canada and the United States, yeah, <laughs> I had 16 laptops in my. I had like 10 different DSL connections. AT&T was like, "What kind of drug operation are you doing here?" You know, <laughs> like what? They thought I was probably like North Korean hackers or something like that. And uh, so, anyways, the guy who ran it, well, he got sued by Craigslist. He lived in the Ukraine, so he didn't come over here and answer the lawsuit. Well, ICANN took his website down and took his payment processors. And so in 2012, he was like, ah, guys, I think you're going to have to uh, start paying me in this thing called Bitcoin. And I was like, what? The, the second or third time I had to make my payment with it, I was like, I'm not doing this. Can I send you MoneyGram? Like, I literally went to Walmart and used MoneyGram to send this guy in Ukraine cash because I like... It was, it was easier than Bitcoin. So much easier. Like, it's not even funny how much easier it was. So we got into using... Uh, back then, you used Bit, uh, Mt. Gox and BitInstant. Mt. Gox was the exchange. BitInstant was kind of like... a. I don't know if you're into crypto, it's kind of like a layer two <laughs> to Mount Cox's layer one. It's like it would roll up transactions really quickly and then it would just send the money and then it would catch up on the back end later, kind of like a bank works. Mm -hmm. That's how the Swift system works with banking. So, uh, so Mount Cox, BitInstant was using that stuff. 2013, um, you know, the prices started going up and I had six Bitcoin left in my account and it was $1,700. And I was like, holy crap, $1,700. Not, to, not, each seventeen hundred total. Total, but that, that's like early, early, wow. early still. Well, my first Bitcoin purchase was four hundred fifty dollars worth. Thirty-seven Bitcoin at eleven fifty-six a piece or something like twelve bucks a piece, basically. Twelve dollars each Bitcoin. Uh huh. Yeah, thirty-seven Bitcoin, twelve bucks a Bitcoin. Yeah. And but I was using it as a currency. You know, that's what you did in the, in the early days. A lot of people got into it through Silk Road, but I'd been through my stuff, so I wasn't used, using Silk Road. Uh, I got in through this software, and so. Um, you but know, by the way, those who don't know, Silk Road was where you buy drugs, right? Yeah, so yes. Yeah. There's a guy out there who, yeah. right now, he's thinking to himself, "God, I hope those thirty caps of shrooms that I got for a uh, hundred Bitcoin, you know, was really good." <laughs> yeah. so now he's got to take more shrooms to cover up the yeah. the, the pain and the loss. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so anyways, 2013 price goes up. I sold six Bitcoin uh, through a website called localbitcoins.com. I met with a guy at a McDonald's and over the Wi-Fi, I sent him the Bitcoin. I thought I was a genius. Like, I made 1700 I took my family down to Destin. We went on a little vacation, you know, paid off a couple bills. And, um, you know, it, it's so funny looking back. Well, the guy went to the wrong McDonald's first. So I was there an extra 30 minutes. And I just remember trying to look up on my computer, what is this Bitcoin? What is this Bitcoin mining? Everything looked like a GeoCity site. Like, there was no education out there in 2013 about Bitcoin. I think there was one... One YouTube channel, Bitcoin Uncensored with Krista Rhodes. I didn't know it existed at that time. I only know it existed now because I ended up meeting the guy and talking to him at some point down the road. Um, but I just had this great opportunity in front of me, and I didn't even—I couldn't see it. 
and I couldn't understand it. And so that drives a lot of what I do today is trying to help people understand uh, crypto. We, I've got a book, Catching Up to Crypto, coming out um, in January. And the whole purpose of the book, uh, it's published by Wiley Publishing. They're the same people that published the Bitcoin Standard, the number yeah. one Bitcoin book of all time. And they reached out to me and were like, we think you got a lot to add. And so we started working on this book. To go from a be- to go from your first day in crypto to a beginner, there's a gap there. Like when you make beginner content in crypto, it's still over people's heads. Yeah. So we wrote this book in order to fill that gap. Mm-hmm. These are the things I wish I, I knew when I got into crypto because it would have saved. I mean, I'd be a billionaire by now. I wouldn't be making cool YouTube content. I, you know, people wouldn't know me. I'd be on an island somewhere. But um, you know, I, I'll take this life over that. It's all worked out. But at the same time, I don't want people to go through those same mistakes when the education is out there right now. So. Fast forward, 20, 2018, January, I decided to start my YouTube channel. So, started working on it in December of 2017 because I was just like, what the heck? I, I, 2017, I realized my mistake. You know, and I, got, I went all in on crypto, made some money, prices went back down, whatever. I decided I wanted to get involved, so I created a character called BitBoy. Now, BitBoy was a crypto superhero. It was not ever supposed to be BitBoy crypto. It was BitBoy and HODL. The HODL was his sidekick. is like a turtle, Right. Uh, HODL, what people don't know, it's like a typo from a Bitcoin talk forum. It's what we say in crypto when you keep your crypto, you HODL it. And so it was supposed to be this like, you know, crypto crime fighting duo. And we were going to do an animated cartoon series. And then I learned how to animate. It was, I was awful at it, but I learned how. I've got some, <laughs> I got some animation on the channel. If you'll go back and look at the early days, did some voiceover stuff. But the time ROI was not there. I was spending like a week and a half making 30 seconds of a video. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And, and nobody wanted, it was the peak of the market. It was going down. Nobody wanted anything fun. And so my buddy was like, you should start doing, uh, you start doing uh, crypto news. So he said, you understand crypto very well. Maybe a little bit I understood back then. I thought I did. And he said, you got a very easy way of talking and communicating with people that makes them understand things that are high level and a low level. I was like, okay, cool. So started doing news videos and then I would do interviews and over time when people come on my channel, they would call me BitBoy. And that's how mm. I ended up becoming an almost 40 year old man, now I am 40, <laughs> named BitBoy. And it's a little, like on one hand, it's a little humiliating, you know, cause they're like, when are you gonna become BitMan? I'm like, no, you don't understand. It wasn't supposed to be like this. <laughs> but, but it's like, on the other hand, like it's, it's great branding and people know us and it's like, you really can't, can't beat the branding that we built in crypto. Why, um, why in 2022 we're still, cause the book you're putting out is still solving for problems that we've had 10 years to solve mm-hmm. for. So the, the, the first mile in learning crypto and blockchain and DeFi and crypto and every other iteration mm-hmm. thereof, it's still super murky and it's very hard to figure out. And then obviously we can talk about all the bullshit that happens in the industry that obviously doesn't lend a lot of yeah. trust for people to understand it. Why have we still not made it easier that first mile? What's the, what's, is it the UI UX of the actual exchanges? Is it Coinbase has the shittiest customer service in the world as a tech company, not just as a crypto company? Why are all these hurdles there? Yeah, well, I think there, there's there's two things that tend to hold people back at, that I think are they need to conceptually understand. One of them is Bitcoin mining. Like when people get into crypto and they hear about Bitcoin mining, like everybody's first thought is like, oh, I can do that. I have a computer, you know, I can Bitcoin mine. And then you start looking into it and you're like, what is this? My head's going to explode. Like I don't understand Bitcoin mining on a technical level. I've never done Bitcoin mining. We've, we've considered doing it as a company. But people get – and honestly – that was the thing that I, when I was researching Bitcoin, I was like, I can't understand this. I don't know what this means. And so when I say for people to conceptually understand Bitcoin mining, it's you actually need to understand it's not important that you understand it. You need to under, if you're investing, it's in, not financial advice. If you're investing, <laughs> it's, it's important certainly to understand 
the way that the Bitcoin cycles work price-wise in relation to Bitcoin mining, because that's very, that to me, that's the most important thing in crypto. But don't let things like Bitcoin mining hold you up. You don't have to understand the stuff on a technical level. And I always use an example, like the HTTP protocol, I think the P stands for protocol, but whatever it is, I don't even know what HTTP stands for. I don't even I know. I use it every I single day. I don't know day. what it means. I use it every day. Everybody <laughs> uses it every day. You don't understand. You don't. I would totally tell you I just don't want to brag, <laughs> so I'm going to keep it for myself. Perfect. I like that. I'm I very like humble. That. Yeah. I got the next 100x coin. I'm going to keep it in my pocket too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but that's one thing is Bitcoin mining. It, it, just, it really goes further to like people thinking they have to understand on a deep technical level what's happening with Bitcoin, and you don't. Really, it's more important for you to understand money, and that's the gap. People don't understand money <laughs> at all. Like I learned I had no idea what money was when I first got into this. Number two... The word cryptocurrency is a really bad word. I hate the word cryptocurrency. There are so few coins in the world of crypto that are actually a currency that confuses people. People are like, I'm investing in Ethereum. Like, I don't understand. Am I going to be using it as money? People equate currency with money. And mm -hmm. for, for good reason, currency and transactions in crypto are different than currency and transactions in the real world. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is this. The Ethereum network, okay. When we talk about transactions per second, TPS, it, why it's so important that we upgrade Ethereum to make it faster. A transaction in crypto is anything that interacts with the blockchain, right? Even including things called microtransactions that are very, very, very minute. You also have gas fees. Whenever you buy an NFT on Ethereum, like you've got a gas fee that must be paid in Ethereum, even if you were buying it on a different chain like Polygon or something like that. Or a Better example would be, um, you know, if you're buying something with USDC, if you're sending money with USDC and it's built on top of the Ethereum blockchain, you still have to use actual Ethereum to push that through because USD is one of the chains it's built on. When we think of a transaction in the world and we think Visa MasterCard, which does, uh, I, think, I think it's 1,700 transactions per second is what Visa does. It's not extremely high. And we're talking about in crypto, like we need 100,000 per second. Well, what's a transaction with a visa? You're putting hold on a credit card. You're buying a burger. Mm -hmm. You are, uh, you know, paying for your haircut. We there's goods and services that we're paying for, and then a few other things like like holds, right? That's it. In crypto, every single thing is a transaction. So if you were to kind of equate that to the real world, like let's say a hotel ran on Ethereum, for instance, which this is a mythical situation. Like when you open your door with your key, that that's a transaction. Mm -hmm. When you, when you go to the elevator, that's a transaction. Everything that you do on a blockchain is a transaction as opposed to in the real world where we're only using it for goods and services. So that's why the word cryptocurrency exists. Why we, it is a currency because you're using it in every single thing that you're doing, but you're not using it the same way we use regular money. And that confuses the crap out of people. So I prefer the word crypto assets. Um, so Ben, here, here's a question from someone that's not an investor, and I'm, but looking at Bitcoin and Ethereum or just the crypto world, it was supposed to be a mechanism to protect us from a collapse, mm -hmm. and it proven to not be that for now. Mm -hmm. Well, went down with the stock market, right? Went down the bear market, took everything down with it, including the value of Bitcoin. Just literally... Anyone that put a dollar over there versus, say, if you put a dollar at the S&P at the height, it would probably be better to stay at the S&P, even a little bit more. Now it's, what, 12 years in the making? 
Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, 13. My mother, 13 years in the, in the making. Almost 14. The question I have about this is not to go and say it's not going to go and save us one day from a doomsday from I love this question currency. already. I I'm jumping at the bit. Let's hear it. Let's hear the question. What are the KPIs in your mind to say, yeah. okay, this is now when we, 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 we still don't have a proof of concept because X, Y, Z, or here are the proof of concept already. It's not just around investors. Oh, there's so much to unpack here. There's so much to unpack. By uh, the way, any of the assumptions that he made, you can also like dive into You don't into have to agree with Oh, yeah, yeah I'm going to yeah, destroy yeah. these Good, assumptions. Let's go. But, let's but, go. but also, I do want to I, I say on the front end, I understand why you think all this. Like, what you're thinking is what almost everybody thinks, including people in crypto, but they're all wrong, and it's very easily provable wrong. Okay. okay? Well, you're always in this state in Bitcoin because it, it's a four-year cycle, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, at some point. You're always in a state of... The price dropping dramatically during a bear winter, which this will now be the, what I would consider really the third massive crypto bear market. There was a, a smaller one in the beginning, um, but we've had three cycles now and it drops so dramatically that people can only look at the micro of what's happened in the last four years. So you're looking at Bitcoin at $70,000 and today you're looking at it at you know, 16 or 17,000. Man, we had a pump at 17,000. Let's go mm. you know, somewhere around there. And you're saying like, but look, it was this price. Okay, well, let's go back a little bit further. Let's go back six years ago. What was the price? Oh, six years ago, the price was $1,100. Mm -hmm. Holy crap. This is actually an incredible store of value when you look over just a little bit longer. But we're always comparing Bitcoin to what it just did. You're not comparing it to what it did six years ago or eight years ago. And because of that, we stay locked in this like, oh, Bitcoin's a scam. Look, it went down. It was up this high. You have to stop looking at it in terms of the, the most recent high and the most recent low and look at it over time. If you look at the Bitcoin chart over its history, it's immeasurable. What a so, great so you're, you're, saying, you're saying, look, it's only 12 years. If you look at the U.S. dollar currency, how many years? That's 100 and so, so many years. Go in and put it as a same perspective. It's going to get more and more stabilized as time go by. And you look at this as a metrics and you say, look, this is where it was a few years ago. Even a, a very tough bear market where we are now, we're still 10x than where we were six years ago. Yes, I, I am saying that. But I'm, what I'm also saying uh, that's kind of another layer to that is we just stay trapped in the mindset of the last four years all the time. Mm -hmm. and, and it's until we do get much less volatility and these Bitcoin cycles don't bear out the way they've always existed throughout time, we're never going to look outside of the most recency bias that we have. Mm -hmm. And so a, a good example of this is your stock market comparison. <laughs> Bitcoin did not go down because of the stock market. Like to say that is to fundamentally misunderstand the history of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I understand, once again, I understand why you think you look at the chart and it seems, it seems to line up, but it's weird. Let's go back to 2018. 2018, Bitcoin had a worse fall than it's had now. Mm -hmm. And what was the stock market doing in 2018? Was it dropping? Was mm -hmm. it getting crushed? It was going up. It was going up. Not, not quite as dramatically as it was in, let's say, 2017 or uh, you know, uh, 2019, right? 2018 was not a super massive year for the stock market. But it was a good year for the stock market. And when you look back at Bitcoin and you look at that time, it dropped 85%. This, this narrative, this talking point about the macro is crushing Bitcoin, like it drives me insane. This is the third cycle, the third super bear market. The last two both had 85% drawdowns with inflation, pandemic, Fed rate hikes, war. 
everything we've got going against Bitcoin, it's still has fallen less than it fell the last two times. Yeah, I think I think uh, when you when you look at the crypto market, there are some that really died almost. I mean, if you look at Solana, where it came oh, from, sure. where it is today, Solana will die compared to Bitcoin. Uh -huh. uh, and now again, I, I would I have this second question to okay. come down to it because I expected you to to defend, <laughs> and I actually thought about that. Uh, the second part would be look. A proof of don't, concept. Don't you ask me questions you know the answer to already. No, I don't okay, know the answer. Okay. I was expecting uh, <laughs> expecting an emotional reaction. Um, but <laughs> Not <laughs> which for I me. It. Well, all right. So then the second part that I wanted to ask, all right, so then the second, uh, and I'm, I'm spitting someone else's words. I think it was uh, uh, Jordan Belfort at the time. He said, well, you know, the, the blockchain as a whole makes sense. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. However, as long as you have mostly investors trading the coin, it is still uh, just a tradable asset around mm -hmm. investors. Once we're gonna actually use it for the day-to-day, -day, that's when you have a proof of concept and we're not there yet. And what, what, what's your take on that one? Oh, I agree 100%. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Okay. I, I think so you would say it would be a key indicator to say, okay, now we have a proof of concept. People are actually buying bread with this. The transactions are not gonna be- no, In crypto, we talk about buying a cup of coffee. <laughs> Yeah, it's, a crypto is no good unless you can buy a cup of coffee with it. Like that's a, that's a little meme in crypto. Like yeah. I always laugh because for some reason it's like I'm glad you said bread because they always say coffee and I, I laugh at that too. Yeah, I mean I'm never gonna say coffee. I'm, I'm gonna be original. I <laughs> yeah, changed exactly. it. I googled that. I said no, change it to bread. I like I'll be original. So well, it's because it's a money show. So you know, you gotta get that exactly. Bread, gotta get that bread. <laughs> so so the whole thing is when you look at where we're at in crypto, um, you, you're not early in investing in crypto. I, I do not believe you look at the numbers. You're not an early or an early adopter of investing in crypto. However, we still are a time where people are early investors in learning what crypto is and learning about crypto, and that obviously puts you at a huge massive advantage against everybody else if you understand what you're talking about and you understand what you're you're investing in. So, when when it comes to the adoption curve of main, I think mainstream adoption is a meme too, right? If you ask people last year at the same time, you know what when Bitcoin was back at seventy k, like. Oh, you know, what's going on with mainstream adoption? People are like, it's here. It's never going down again. We told people last year we were going to have a bear market. We have it every four yeah, years. Everyone's better, yeah. yeah, so the whole thing is we're going back to my conversation about currency versus asset. We don't have that many coins or currency. Bitcoin is not a currency anymore, folks. Bitcoin is digital gold, okay? Mm -hmm. Even its use case has been changed from what it was intended as. You look across the board and you look at all these other assets, like, some of these aren't ever even going to find their use case because the founders made so much money on, specu on speculation. They've got founders dilemma. What's their motivation to keep building a project that's already made them a billion dollars? They don't really have it. So I think what we're going to see is we're going to continue to see um, more projects die, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Solana, a centralized blockchain, I believe it is going to die. I've never considered Solana to be a mate. We considered it to be a good investment at one time. We didn't consider it to be a real competitor to Ethereum. You've got Ethereum, you've got Cardano, you've got Algorand, ICP, HBAR. These are coins that we invest in. I'm invested in for transparency, but those are kind of like some of the coins that we look at and we say, these are going to do pretty well. XRP is another one, but it is in a different niche um, than these. We call these layer one blockchains that I'm talking about. If you look at what's built on these layer one blockchains, none of them are super, uh, none of them are, super, are optimal right now. They still have a long ways to go. Uh, you look at, at things like NFTs and Metaverse. I mean, we, we think we're probably eight years away, really, from Metaverse actually being a thing that's not a meme, you know, a, yeah. a thing where people are using it. We're still so early. Did you, buy, did you buy land in the Metaverse? Oh, I've got a lot of land in Sandbox. Well, we bought a lot of land in Sandbox because we're, we are building in Sandbox. We do have a lot of Metaverse land. Everdome's another one that we have some land in. Um, but we, we built an entire digital city in there. 
Um, we've got a big space and we've got a, a game like where we have BitBoy avatars and it, the little Bitverse characters that were the characters I created yeah. for the comic series there in it. And mm -hmm. uh, we got a little game where you go around trying to find these Bitcoins for some gorilla. Like it's not out yet. People can't see it yet because the alpha for a sandbox is not complete. But uh, yeah, we, we... Wasn't that too early though? Well... If you could go back in time. Why would you know? We've been building it for two and a half years mm -hmm. and we still don't have the land built out. We have professional Minecraft builders that have been there building for two and a half years. So by the time it hits, we've already built. Okay. So no, I, I would disagree now. So you're a different world. You're in a different realm than other people that just bought course. something next to yeah. Snoop Dogg, a million yeah. dollar and all that. It was well, a lot of those people made money. I mean, if you bought it at the peak, you didn't, but a, yeah. a lot of that real estate will go up in value. Even if we're eight years away from like real adoption of metaverse, like you're still going to see the value of the real estate go up every market cycle. The important thing for you is to learn how to t time the market cycles, take profits. People are still buying on, on Sandbox? Uh, sandbox, most of the land is already sold, but there are secondary markets. Yeah. I mean, we, our land that we bought for $50,000, I believe these numbers are correct. Uh, $50,000, I think at the peak, it was like two and a half million. Um, and then right now I have no idea what it is right now. I'd probably say it's still probably somewhere around a, a million dollars because we got prime real estate over there, but uh, we didn't buy it as an investment. We bought it to build on it and we're going to make money inside of our metaverse mm -hmm. or inside of our land. Like whether it's selling avatars or selling NFTs, all the stuff we had to pay to get developed. So we've got costs in it, but selling NFTs, selling, uh, you know, I exclusive meetups. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question about that and we're completely derailing. I'm going to let you yeah. go. I, back I, 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 have, I know you I have a hundred questions. Yeah, I know. Like, I know. I'm just, so I'm just <laughs> ask, aren't you worried that tomorrow, uh, uh, Apple is going to come up with their own space or Facebook is going to come up with their own space and then sandbox is going to disappear. No, cause they're centralized. It's everything. It, it's antithetical to crypto. Like mm -hmm. the reason why these metaverses will be such a big deal is because they are decentralized in a sense and you're not having to give over all your data to, to Apple. This, you. this data game but is how much do you over. Think a kid, how much do you think a kid that goes to play a video game cares about centralized and decentralized where they have a fake character called JJ123. I'm going to play a video game and, and shoot some zombies. Uh, no, that's, that's a centralized, like, I, do you really think they're going to care? Well, it's not really kids that are playing it right now. Okay. <laughs> you know, like that's it's, part of it's people that do care. You're saying it's, it, yeah. it, it's, it, it's people that do care, but it's look, okay. We have got to draw hard lines. Okay. My kids privacy is ruined for generations. That's true. Okay. So at some point us, the, the Facebook generation and you know, millennials yeah. and older, like we huh. got to draw hard lines and say, we're going to stop giving them all this stuff. Like mm. that's why everyone hates Facebook. Facebook's metaverse is going to be one of the most gigantic failures of all time. People are done with the Facebook game. Facebook had to actually come up with a strategy Interesting. for holding stay-at-home mom meetups to try to get 11, 12, and 13-year-olds interested in Facebook. I don't know if you guys know. That's a real story. Wow. No, I don't know. That. No, that's a real story. What did they do? Facebook marketing came up with this idea to create uh, spaces for stay-at-home moms to have basically play dates with other moms in hopes that they could recruit their kids to be friendly to Facebook. Uh, really? Wall Street Journal, go check it out. Interesting. That's a, that's a real story. That's, that's how down Facebook is. They have no, they're in such a horrible spot. There's no way they get out of this because no, now WhatsApp is the one thing that they have. And of course, Instagram is another thing they have. Those two things probably survive and do well. Facebook as it's currently constructed or anything that has the word Facebook or meta, it's dead. 
Everybody hates it. If you're a millennial or older, well, your grandma might like it, but I'm sorry, like your grandma, she might be 84. Like I love her, but she's not going to. You make don't want to be in the same party with her. That's not. And she's also same. not going to be around forever. She's not going to be around forever. Yeah. yeah. Everybody that's like 60 and under, 50 and under, especially, hates Facebook. Kids hate Facebook because when they were growing up, their parents liked Facebook. Yeah, yeah. There's no win for Facebook going forward. The Oculus is certainly the, the only hope they have within this meta, meta yeah. world. But even within that, one, one of the characteristics of the word metaverse, of a definition, if you, if you actually look it up, is user-generated content, mm -hmm. right? Facebook's trying to build a video game. They're not trying to build a, a real metaverse because they have to give up control of what goes on there. They're never going to do that. That's the thing with centralization. These companies, they, they want to control every transaction. They want to have their own internal economies with their own little coin that's not that you can't send off. You're not going to be able to take whatever coin is in a centralized you know, metaverse, earn that coin, and then withdraw it to somewhere else. You're going to have to live within that economy. Metaverse is about reaching out from that. I know we're so this is probably so far over people's heads because this it's is going to dovetail into centralization yeah. versus decentralization exactly. though, and all the yeah. fuck up. So it's yeah. actually a good point. So let's bring it back. Are you? Are you no, no, you're all you, all you. I know, I know. <laughs> no. We were going over the questions, and there are a lot of no, no, no. Okay, so, so you know, we can go right in. I don't know if you want to go into uh, SBF and FTX right away. Yeah. Uh, the other, the other stuff that I thought was interesting is that you. You are a personality, yeah. and you have like a group of people that love you, a group of people that hate you, absolutely, absolutely hate you. I watched, um, I watched the Bankless podcast, yeah. and they were just not, they were, they were not. It was the podcast where they were not fans or whatever. Anyways, so I thought it was a, an interesting show because it's kind of like a hit piece. But um, and then when I asked people to ask you questions, because I threw it up on Instagram, one of the guys equated you to the Jim Cramer of crypto, saying yeah. that as long as if I pick something that he doesn't pick, then I'm good. Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of Anger and, uh -huh. and emotion. So maybe just speak to why that is. I'm so authentic, it's not even funny. And when, when I am an overshare and I'm overly honest and I'm overly uh, anxious to give my opinion on things, it just gives people so much more to shoot at. Because let's say you like Solana, okay, for instance. I came out, uh, there's really bad stuff happening with Solana. There's been bad stuff happening on the back end. So I'm telling you what's real. I'm also giving you my opinion on it. And now everybody in the Solana community hates me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when you look at other coins that I've talked about in the past that, you know, I basically like built up this engine of like, every time I say something negative, I'm adding more people to the people that hate me. Yeah. But like, I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to tell you what I think. And so uh, number that that's one aspect of it. Uh, another aspect of it is once again, we go back to these four year cycles, prices going up, prices going down. Well, there's a spreadsheet that somebody made about, uh, all my picks that I've ever made. No, number one, we really we made way too many picks in 2020. Like that was a big problem. We got you even said actually on that podcast yeah. I was listening to like you you're starting to change your business model. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, well we have much bigger responsibility and accountability for and like if people can't tell that I deeply passionately care about crypto and the future of the world and, and its relationship, then they're just blind. They, mm. Their hatred blinds them. Like it's so obvious to see how much I care about all this, and, and so. Going through this process of going to somebody that went from 10,000 subscribers to a million and a half in 16 months, that I made some mistakes. Like, we did sponsor videos that I wish I wouldn't have done. It was never like, oh, like, this project's a scam. I want to promote it. It's like, no, we had our research. We did some due diligence. But it's such a new emerging technology. So, 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 so about, are, about that, yeah. like, I'm going to jump about that. Sure. Because you're saying, look, you sponsor someone. 
they turn out to be false yeah. and you wish you didn't do it, but you, even though you research, you couldn't find. So say Kevin O'Leary, okay? Kevin O'Leary, FTX, okay? You mentioned something uh -huh. about Kevin, Kevin O'Leary. You know, you're very opinionated about Kevin O'Leary. Well, it's because he's a bad person, but yeah. Yeah, so, so it's just he supported FTX. Now he's silent. Yeah, so say Kevin. He, he, he hasn't been silent. He's still, he's still been saying Sam is a great guy and he supports what he does. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, that, yeah, there, there's multiple okay. clips, of, clips of him. Okay. I don't mean to interrupt you, but like, okay. that's the fact. Okay, so that changes my question, okay. but I will still go back to the same question because assuming uh -huh. assuming he was paid yeah. in one way or another, he was not, you know, not knowing that everything uh -huh. was a scam, and now it was a scam. It's like, isn't that like, look, it happens. Uh, I guess you can't really blame. Well, well, well now if he still support the if guy, doubles that down, double down, yeah, that's. But a there's plenty story, of other so. people that fit into this category you're talking about, though, like yeah. where that, that Tom spoke, Brady, yeah. Graham Stephan. They fit in this category because I, I see where you're going with this question, yeah. which is how could I sit here and say like, no, oh, not, not specifically yeah. about you, because yeah. at least you stand out and you said, look, I made a mistake. But yeah. if you said they still double down and support the guy. I, I, I'm not deeply into it, so I can't really yeah. tell you our research. But if, if the guy doesn't, if the guy said, listen, man, I, I, I like this company, you get uh -huh. paid and then eventually, oops, it's falling down. I mm -hmm. don't want to talk about this right now. Maybe legal obligation, whatever it is, contractual obligation to just mm -hmm. be quiet. Like, is it really? What's your opinion? Like, just let the guy off the hook. He's, he's yeah. at least not saying anything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I'm in a total. I, I have yeah. not. I have not attacked one person for promoting FTX. Mm -hmm. We never promoted FTX. Mm -hmm. We we never had an affiliate. I don't believe we ever had an affiliate link for FTX. We've never had an account at FTX. We did think the FTT coin. We bought it on KuCoin. We thought it was going to do really well last year, and be like, "Oh, yeah, that was going to do." Well, yeah, you get new information and you change your opinion. Like yeah, it's yeah. not it's That's not rocket right. science, yeah. right? But we knew about this insolvency several weeks before anybody else did. We were shocked. Mm. Like I would have promoted FTX if they came. We went to them for funding for our bill in, in Congress. Like we thought they were good actors. Or I was always in the middle on Sam. I never was like, he's definitely good or he's definitely bad. I, I could never make up my mind on him. And that's clearly documented in the history of my channel. I did always say he had a really bad haircut. Um, but outside <laughs> of that, outside of that, um, you know, I, I, I don't attack Graham Stephan. What, what I didn't like about what Graham Stephan did about promoting FTX is when I went, in his, uh, went on his iced uh, coffee hour podcast, mm -hmm. or cut whatever it's called, uh, last, maybe it was early last year. In the comments, just like you see, there's a whole community of people that absolutely hate me. They all came in the comments like, he's a scammer, he's pumping and dumping and blah, 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 blah. Stuff that's not true. I, I can prove, you know, we've never done a video to promote a coin and sold the coin within, uh, you know, probably a week yeah, is the earliest yeah. we've ever done it. We've never done it. But when you look at the chart, it looks like that sometimes because people took profits or if we did a sponsor video, the project on the back end would be the ones oh, doing interesting. it. It was me being naive. Well, if you're an influencer and the founders like allocate a huge marketing budget to you, then they're like, okay, this is going to be it. Of when course. he puts it out, founders sell Boom. at the peak. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. That, 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 that's the misdirection of smoke and mirrors. People don't understand. And then you're the face, and then you get you get all the shit for it. In the 100%. Yeah. And the, the, the people who invested lose because they're watching the videos, and they think it's going to go up, and then I lose. Mm -hmm. And the founders, they win because they had the majority of the There's seller. There's only one winner in that. Yeah. There's only one winner. Yeah. So that's why I I've really came out very strong against token and coin promotions now. I, I don't think anybody should be doing promotions of coins that have a speculative value on them. But th th that's another conversation. Mm -hmm. Graham Stephan, in, in his uh, comment section, uh, him and his partner Jack, I don't know who is responsible for it, but they basically went, they were just like apologists in the comments. Like, I'm sorry, we didn't know he's super controversial, blah, 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 blah. 
He's like, how about a little support, guys? Like, I was there face-to-face with you. You didn't call me. You, didn't, you had my phone number, Graham. You yeah. could have texted me. You could have said, like, oh, like, there's a lot of, you know, what about this stuff going on? Like, you know, is there any truth to it? How about come ask me instead of just go in the comments you know, section? They, 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 they lost at an opportunity. When you get that much activity, you bring the person back on and you walk 100%. Through, you walk, yeah. do a fucking yeah. follow-up show. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Would have definitely loved it. Yeah. But, but Graham's so protective of his image that um and it's, for it's a stressful thing it's not for everyone and i can tell yeah. you sitting from the side of it one time i get criticized over a campaign i made with one influencer that said something 10 years before mm-hmm. you know something like that and some i would have never find out yeah. what she said and it's like i get blamed for something that i had no idea that happened in the yeah. past and this is not a crypto this is not something you can actually find information so yeah. So then when that it is it, it does happen, I mean it's a stressful situation. Not everyone yeah. in the list, but at least there was a phone call eh? and then it was yeah. never really to put down a person, it was just talking in general about the topic and that's it. Yeah, yeah so. I, I think I think that's important. And so like I, I, I hope Graham learned a lesson there. Is that you know, don't throw stones at glass houses. Like yeah. you actually ended up and once again, I'm not criticizing him for promoting. I do not blame Graham at all. I don't blame any person for promoting FTX. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew. And when people find out the real truth of everything that's behind this thing with FTX that I know, they're going to be like, this is so much bigger than anybody thought. Nobody, people that worked very close to the inside didn't even know. Some did. I can't criticize him for that. But what I do criticize him is not for standing up for me at all and just assuming that he had all the right answers and that he's promoting great stuff. He promoted the greatest financial fraud in human history. So many people are guilty of that. They didn't know, but let's have the same kind of, um, leniency isn't the right word. Let's just have the same kind of care and, and, and human understanding for people yeah, to understand. Empathy. Empathy. Yeah. That we're all out here trying to do the same stuff, and none of us, certainly after this debacle, none of us are perfect. I, I promoted Celsius. 99% of the time when I promoted Celsius, it was organically. We didn't even say we had a link for it. Uh, just we made three thousand dollars on promoting Celsius in three years. Mm. That's nothing in the world of what I do. <laughs> from nothing, it was a horrible affiliate program. We but we talked about it all the time because we believed in it. We thought it was great. Same thing. Like we all have got to learn a lesson from this. And this is the. I hope that this is the galvanizing moment for people that talk about crypto, people in the financial world, where we all look and say. We all have to do better and we all have to work together. If you know someone is a bad actor, if you can prove someone's a bad actor and you're supporting them, that's a different thing. The vast majority are out here just trying to do the best that we can all the time and everybody's made mistakes. And I think now we can kind of go back to the drawing board and say, how knowing what we know now, how can we protect our audience better going forward? Well, I mean, if you if you if you want to equate it to other huge financial fuck ups like Bernie Madoff yeah. was on boards. Yeah. Right. Like regulators. Like he. What. What board was he on? I can't. I can't think of the board off the top of my head. Oh, he. He. He legislated. He was. He was, right a, he was down. I'm trying to think what it was. But I, the point I, is, yeah. like, I'm sure there's a lot of people that look back on that and like, okay, we kind of fucked up here. No. Wasn't obviously. it like his brother worked for one of the regulators too, or something crazy? I think crazy. so. Yeah. yeah. Crazy like that. It was wild. Okay. I so think, I think the reason with him is just he did rip off only really really wealthy people over here. It was yes. ripping off. Mom and pop, someone that just works out of a garage and they just yeah. vote, and that's that's the. Well, a lot of those people got paid back, I believe, with, with the burning Madoff? with the Madoff situation. Yeah, he board. served on the board of directors and served on the federal regula- regulation committee that basically had the greatest impact on like securities laws and yeah. regulation. Like, it's so crazy. It's fucking wild. Yeah. So you talk about like influencers uh-huh. talking about a coin. Well, let's let's look at what else has happened in history. Yeah. Um, what I want to actually think about comparables because. To Madoff, to Enron, 
to other huge financial fuck ups and frauds and whatnot. How much money was actually lost with FTX? Well, it depends on who you ask and what your what insolvency hole you're going down. And uh, by the way, this entire conversation is allegedly. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm not willing to say that. <laughs> Sorry, FTX, come sue me. I don't give an F. Good good luck. See, people wonder why I come out so bold against yeah, people because yeah. I know what they've done and they don't want to go to discovery with me in a lawsuit. See me, Kevin? I see Kevin O'Leary looking at me right now. Come sue me, Kevin. You want me to go do a full investigation on, on the deaths up in Toronto? I'm just saying. I know he doesn't want me to do that. But but the fact is, um, when you look at uh, the insolvency, uh, the number most people are throwing out is $8 billion. Yeah. There, there's another number where people say there were $14 billion um, and there were $900 million in liquid assets. But when you actually expand and you look out at across the entire financial world that they were touching, people put the estimate somewhere around $50 billion. What? When you, when you add in up, your block, they, they were invested in 225 major crypto companies. Not all of them, but some in the finance world. Two hundred and uh, like Between 200 and 250, I think maybe 225 companies. I've got the document. I, I see every dime they invested in every other company. Block, Aren't you block, afraid, though, coming after them? Because, look, he's the second largest donor to Biden. Yeah. There was no federal investigation, which is weird. The entire mainstream media was positive about, still is about him. It comes for a reason. Now you have a YouTube channel. You see mm. people like Andrew Tate say something against the wrong guy, pff, disappear, cancel the bank account, freeze, freeze up their assets. Don't you have that self-preservation a little bit when you talk about FTX a little bit like that? No, no. I don't. Uh, I'm not scared of these people at all. Let me tell you, the last thing I'm you're ever... Really, you're really not worried? No. You're really not. The, okay. the last thing I'm ever scared about is a nerd coming after me. I, I can tell you that. Yeah, but it's not going to be a nerd. It's not the nerd. That's the whole point. It's the U.S. government, perhaps. It's, it's the nerd's parents that kept <laughs> yeah. him doped up oh. all those years of what it is. Oh. Let me. I'm just not scared. Like, if I end up being a martyr, <laughs> so be it. We're going to take a picture together after. I want. I want to make sure for that proof we of get life. Yeah, proof yeah. Of life. <laughs> Look, here's here's the thing. I'm I'm built differently than most people. I, I just I don't have fear when it comes to this kind of stuff because I feel like I'm fighting a righteous battle. I feel like I'm on a God given mission. And I'm going at these people, and I will not stop, and I will be relentless. I always say, you go back to the Catholic Church in the 1400s, and you say this was the most corrupt organization that ever existed in the history of mankind. Mm. They, they, they use the Bible. Burn you on the, on the stake, that's what. Burn you on the stake. They, they used the Bible where they were the only people that could read it. Yeah. And so they had all the information. If you would have told them within the next two to 300 years, the Catholic Church would pretty much go kaput. I mean, it still exists, but not in the not same power the structure that it did. Yeah. Those people told you were crazy. They would have said, you're fighting the wrong fight. You can't do this. But what happened? The printing press came out. And mm. within 100 years, the printing press came out. People started reading. And once people could read, they could see, holy crap, look at what these people are doing to us. We're in the new age of the printing press. I'm not saying anything that people don't know. Like, it, the mainstream media thing is so funny because if you go and you look, I've done poll after poll after poll. 94 to 96% of people believe Sam Bankman Fried is a terrible person and he does not deserve a second chance in crypto. Okay? 94 to 96%. If you go look at the comments on threads, it doesn't fit that because SBF and FTX and Alameda have a gigantic bot army and propaganda army. And we're going to be doing an expose on this and proving this in the next couple of months. But w when you look at the mainstream media and you look at the New York Times, you look at the Washington Post, you look at the Wall Street Journal, you look at Forbes, how is it that they have the opinion that only 4% of people have? It's Who in, are it's those 4% anyway? Uh, I believe most of them are people that misclicked. Misclicked, I, yeah. I think the number on those polls is actually smaller. I think it's only 1% to 2%. I think it, you... you yeah, I know. I was going to say, just you read the, the Forbes headlines, and, and I think one of the articles was trying to equate the Alameda 
shit show to far right wing conspiracy yeah, yeah. shit like that. And it yeah, was yeah. just like, it's just like you're reaching so hard and it's embarrassing uh-huh. at this point. And you know what's actually depressing? It's a little bit depressing because like you look at even, I don't like listen. It's there's, inspiring. There's, there's I, I WSJ and and there's all these other yeah. outlets, but then you look at things like Forbes and you're like. How are you fucking this up? I just like going to you for business news. Yeah. Stop fucking up stuff like this. Well, it's 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 individual. It's individual journalists. Uh, Gretchen Morganson is an NBC journalist that we love, and she reports and she's hardcore and like yeah, she, but it goes through an editor. She said she is. She told me she's never had someone take one of her pieces and ruin it. She's an independent journalist. She works for them, but um, you know, Gretchen Hooker can be saying this, but she she says that she's never had problems with having to send through things through an editor and getting it debunked. It's other people writing stories. It's not one entity at the top. And I think it's because they know if they control all their all their reporters, then they're not going to get, you know, this is going to get much worse for them. Um, when you look at somebody like Andrew Ross Sorkin from the New York Times, this guy's bought off. He's been bought off by SBF and the, and the, and the, the Freed Bankman family forever. He's been paid off by Goldman Sachs. He's... I know this. He's literally been paid by the banks to have certain opinions, and he literally lies in his articles and makes stuff up. Okay, so they're memes at this point. I, this is not depressing. No, that's but it yeah. is. But that's my point. It's so bad. It's not like, but it's, it's so it's so bad. It's yeah. it's so bad. It's good. Yeah, I see what you're saying. We've hit. Listen, I I have almost single handedly from documentary writers that we've started. I've created a new brand of journalism in the last month. It is. I'm going to kick your door down. I'm going to get the information. If you don't give it to me, I'm going to start a Twitter spaces. I'm going to have people outside your house. I'm going to have Twitter talking about you so bad, you're not going to be able to get off the mat. So give me the information now before I have to take it. This is the kind of journalism that we've not seen before. Andrew Ross Sorkin does not have an army of people behind him willing to fight for him. Mm -hmm. He has zero of those people. Nobody likes the New York Times except the people that like to do the crosswords, which I don't know if you'll know this, Sam Trebucco that was the CEO of Alameda, he wrote a lot of the crosswords for the New York Times. That's funny. I didn't know that. <laughs> of course. Nobody knows that. Nobody sees the crossover there. But this kind of journalism, and I'm dead serious about pushing this further and further and further, is we are at a precipice in the history of media. We have defeated the mainstream media now. The mainstream media is officially dead. I'm calling it dead today on what, what date is it? What date is it today? My, my watch, uh, Wednesday, oh, Wednesday, November 30th, Thursday. the day I'm recording this, the mainstream media, the New York Times... Washington Post, they are dead. The new future of journalism, the new future of uh, investigative reporting is on YouTube and it's on Twitter and it's on Rumble and it's on all these platforms. No one believes what they say. No one. So this is actually a great, really inspirational, motivational thing for people to say, let's push those people aside. Let's make them totally irrelevant. I understand if you want to you know, answer 42 across or your New York Times crossword puzzle, but you better not be going to them for information they don't have it. I can, in five minutes right now, I can go on Twitter and I can ask my community for documents, addresses, phone numbers, any information I want. If it exists, it'll be in my box in five minutes. So you crowdsource an it's crowd, That's it. It's crowdsourcing journalism. Yeah. Exactly. I asked for information on, on, on Barbara and Joe Bankman, or, or uh, Joe Bankman, Sam, parents, uh, Sam Bankman parents, uh, Sam Bangman Freed's parents. You're getting Barbara. Up. I do. I do. Good. I do. I do get a little emotional about this stuff. But Barbara Freed and uh, Alan Joseph Bankman, yeah. his grandparents have basically been scrubbed from the internet. I said, hey, can somebody find me information on the grandparents? I had it within five minutes. Yeah. I had people's home addresses. They're, I'm, wow. These are the yeah, last you got to be careful with that. Well, that's yeah. the thing. That's the thing. So th- that's, where, that's where people. I'm not giving home addresses out. I'm going to get answers. As a reporter, yes. I can do that. 
So I don't have to be careful. That's what reporters do. I mean, I, sometimes yeah. I get calls from reporters related to beauty yeah. industry, and they, they're really, they can be very, they'll s stuck me until, until I just yeah. tell them, leave me alone completely, and I'll hang up the phone, but they'll try to get information. Mm -hmm. So it's not wrong. It's only turning wrong when you, when you use this If you dox, power, if you dox yes. the information. Yeah, if yeah you dox that's what I mean. I mean. And yeah. I do not dox information. Like, I'm not asking for this stuff to tell people to go to people's houses. Yeah. I'm, I, I want to recruit people to go down to the Bahamas and protest. I want to do that. I want to go stand right outside of Del Tech Bank, right outside of uh, uh, the government office, right outside of the Albany, and have a gigantic protest. See, this is why I think you should think about that, because that is my point behind, look, yeah. that's, that's a person that's probably protected by people that you might not want to piss off. That, that was my he, we, we were right up to his house. Yeah. He's not. So you it's know, a myth. You know it, he went to the Bahamas. You know yes, he went to the Bahamas. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And the security guard didn't even want to kick us out. The people there don't like him. Interesting. They have to. They, they only are having to do their job because you got Joe and Barbara up at the top floor saying he's live right now. Remove him. Remove him. Remove him. Now, I, look, I'm not scared of these people at all, and I'm going to continue to push. I'm going to continue to go further and further and further. They're going to have to kill me to shut me up. Well, now you got a you got a Twitter Spaces set up with them. Well, supposedly he hasn't responded to me in, in 48 hours now, so we'll see. Now he's doing a couple other shows. I told him the questions. I, I told him the question. How many people coming to your Twitter spaces when you... Uh, well, the last few we've had between, I think, maybe six and 10,000 or so. On each episode? But while it's live. While it's live, yeah, yeah. really? Yeah, that's just on Twitter spaces. I mean, we, we you know, average probably around 7K on our YouTube live streams every day, even when this stuff isn't going it on. It really killed Clubhouse, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Clubhouse wasn't a proprietary technology. Yeah, so. so, you know, I mean, from the very beginning, that's why I never got big on Clubhouse. And Twitter Spaces, we're only now starting to really understand the power of uh, as a company. My time is just so, my, it's so, like, I'm here for two hours. It's hard for me to be here for two hours. Like, I get it. Yeah. You know, my time is just so few and far between. Like, so I, I've been running for like seven days straight, like nonstop, and probably longer than that, probably 10 days straight. And finally today, I was like, I'm going to stay in the hotel room, I'm going to sleep. I woke up at seven. I was like, I'm going back to sleep. And like, I was checking Twitter and stuff. Like, at about nine o'clock, I went back to sleep, you know, and I, I, I didn't wake up till 12. And now I'm way behind. <laughs> you know, like, so I'm let, so let far me, behind. Let me ask you one more question. Yeah. Then I want uh, Scott uh -huh. have quite a few questions. All right. So, <laughs> when, when we're, we're going to have uh, today, actually, on yeah. the show, um, Reeve, yeah, Reeve, the co founder co of, of Tether. Of Tether. Uh -huh. And I know that uh, you have some dilemma around Tether. If there are a few questions, no more than three, three questions you want ask to ask to ask them. Okay. Uh, the number one question I would ask is, are you solvent? <laughs> are, okay. are you solvent? Let's write this down. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got it. Are you because the, the idea is, now, look, I, I have not came out against Tether. Uh, People, you were you were in Bahamas. You were outside a, a of Tech bank. Bank. Yes. Del Tech Bank. Yeah, Del Bank, who's their banking partner. Break it down to us. What happened when you went to Bahamas? Well, let me give you three questions first. Yes. Okay. I want I want to honor your three questions. Sure. Number one, are you solvent? Number two, what is your relationship with Del Tech Bank? And number three, have you always been solvent? Mm -hmm. That's a big difference. Are you okay. solvent now? Have you always been solvent? My opinion about Tether um, is that just give you the thirty thousand foot view. The way Tether was built was extremely criminal and extremely bad, but they're solvent now and they have all the money and they faked it till they made it. I don't think Tether is in danger of going under. I, I, that's why I see people, people, most of the people who are talking about Tether exposed or it's gonna unpeg, like they're not really crypto people. I hear a lot of mainstream people talking about this because like it's fear that's been put in people's heads. 
Um, whether or not they always had the money, I don't know, but I, I do believe Tether does have the money. Now, that may come out to be untrue. We're investigating it right now. We're going to get down to the bottom of it. But it's just like a lot of the major companies in crypto, I would say with the exception of Coinbase, Coinbase does not fit this, is that a lot of them did what Sam did. A lot of them did what Alameda did. But they're too big to fail now. And I think that's, that does give stability. Are to they the bigger than FTX? Tether? Oh, Tether? Yeah. Well, Tether is, uh, well, yeah. Yeah, because Tether is $65 billion. Okay. But too big to fail, the concept of too big to fail assumes there's a bailout at a certain point because it would impact a group of people so large that government couldn't afford. So anybody who can't, isn't guaranteed a bailout isn't insured. Mm, I just I, I disagree with that. Because I understand your point, your reasoning for why you're saying that. But for, for me, when you look at Tether and their $65 billion, it's more like in the beginning, they laundered a bunch of money, they hit a bunch of money, they have a ton of assets that we don't even know that they have, and they can use those assets if there were a bail. Like, let's say they actually have an insolvency of $5 billion. They bail out themselves. They bail out themselves. Okay. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, and there's a lot of companies, Bitfinex, another company, um, you know, that's been heavily hit by the CFTC, had to remove America's Bitfinex and Tether, you know, Bitfinex started Tether um, in a roundabout way. There's a lot of ties there between Brock Pierce and Omni Blockchain and Tether and uh, some of that stuff. There was a big thing that happened back in, uh, I want to say it was 2014. I don't, may not have that year correct, but basically to where they uh, sent a ton, like hundreds of millions of dollars to an auditor or something like that, and the auditor stole all the money, you know, and they kind of had, then they had to come out and say, well, we don't actually have one-to-one -one backing of U.S. dollars, but we have assets. I believe personally Tether has enough assets to back up everything they have. It, they may have to, if it ever happened, if there was a bank run on Tether, which you're getting into a circular problem of why there would need to be a bank run on Tether. Like your Alameda was the number one holder of Tether. They had like 18% of it or some, some crazy, maybe it was 12%, some crazy number. But like, what's their motivation to go bank run on Tether? Mm -hmm. Knowing that if they pulled that much out, it would make the whole thing collapse. It's mm -hmm. kind of like what, it's like if Elon Musk went and took, sold all of his shares tomorrow, yeah. Tesla, what happens? It's, just, it's kind of the same thing. So mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to name names. I'm going to say I do not believe Coinbase is one of these companies. I think Coinbase started in the United States. I think, it, you know, when you look at some uh, XR Ripple, I don't think Ripple is one of these companies. It's a totally different kind of structure than, than the exchanges. But you're saying some were built more ethically than others. Yes. A lot of your U.S. companies were built much more ethically than a lot of the ones that were overseas. That doesn't mean the overseas ones are in trouble. That doesn't mean they're ever going to be in trouble. But it does mean that in the beginning of crypto, there were a lot of bad actors and a lot of bad players. And was, a lot of this was built in a very sketchy way. But today, I don't think it has gigantic effects. Now, that's three questions. Moving back to your question about going to Dell Tech Bank. Was that what you asked about what happened there? No, just tell us because we, we understand you went there and uh, uh -huh. you tell us your experience going over there. Yeah, so we certainly went over to the Bahamas <clears throat> for um, for Sam, but let's let's specifically talk about um, Dell Tech Bank. Okay, so what they're telling us now. Uh, okay, so now I, I now know the latest update on this, which is good. That I was told you I was behind it. No, I've known that was there since this morning. I haven't been able to check it. So basically, we went to the Bahamas to pursue Sam to pursue FTX. Um, and you know, to pursue him, like I didn't want to go beat him up or something. Like people think I'm down there bounty hunting, trying to hog him, you know, which <laughs> did enter my mind. But you know, something I, I, you know, I knew wasn't going to play well. I, I don't want to turn him in, him into the victim. Yeah. But that's the whole thing. Is there's a very thin line that I walk between being aggressive and making sure I'm standing up for the people, and that we're not be becoming bullies that are going after people that don't need to be gone after. We're going after, we're bullying the bullies is what we're really doing. Um, and so we, you know, I went down there to get answers from him and I, I wanted to go down there and give him a platform to be able to speak 
and answer hard questions. Hard questions. Eventually, if he doesn't talk, I'm going to show all the screenshots. Uh, and people are going to see the kind of questions that... Screenshots from, from who? From Sam. Questions. Oh, from... Oh, okay. You me and Sam have texted back and forth. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. He's agreed to do a Twitter space with me, but then he agreed to do it with somebody else. And now it's... So we'll see. Uh, do you I'm, think he's placating just to... Well, I'm the only person that can help him. I'm the only person that can help Sam. Nobody else knows what I know. Well, people on my team know what I know. These people that are running these Twitter spaces... I described it this morning. It's kind of like watching somebody on a blindfold describe a painting they've never seen. That's what it is. I don't have a blindfold. I can tell you what the painting looks like. It's got to be done in a methodical way because what am I going to do? Go give all the information to Gary Gensler so he can shred it because he was meeting with him for six months. Uh, but I know a lot. I, would say, I believe I know more about what was going on at Alameda and FTX than even Sam himself knows. Uh, I, I think this thing goes up much higher. We know a lot of the interday operations. Uh, we know a lot of the players, and I'm pretty sure I've got the entire architecture and structure down of the team of people that knew and did not know. Mm. We're still answering. We're going to be asking questions to some of these people. This is what I say. Well, we're going to these people's door. I'm going to go knock on these people's door and, and sit there until somebody comes out and tells me the answers to what we're looking for. Or at least comes out and says, I'm not going to tell you what you're looking for. Yeah. Because there yeah. you go. We, we know why you're not saying anything. Come send your lawyer out to talk to me, whatever Let's it is. focus. So you get, you get over there. You, yeah. went, you went after... Um, after Sam, but then something else yes. happened that related to Tether. So. so one of the things that we wanted to do, I know I can go on so many rabbit trails, this, we could really have a 47-hour podcast. I realize that, yeah. 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 Well, we we had documentary film crew with us, so people are going to see everything eventually. But so we, Next time you're in Miami, we'll do yeah. okay. more shit. Yeah. The 47-hour <laughs> podcast. Um, I'm going to need a Red Bull. Okay, so anyways, the, the point is, is one of the things we want to do while we're down there is go talk to Tether. And... Well, once we get down there and we start asking the questions, it's like, okay, well, Tether's down there, but really Dell Tech Bank is who we need to talk to. They're, they're the key connecting everything because they were the partner for FTA. They were the banking partner for Alameda and had a partnership with FTX. Technically, I do not believe they were the official banking uh, source for FTX. I think that they were. We just haven't been able to find that and confirm it, but they also were the bank for, for Tether. And so... We're like, let's go talk to the Tether people. Well, it was a weekend, and we're like, probably nobody's going to be there or whatever. We started investigating, and we're like, Dell Tech Bank's where we need to go. So we went to Dell Tech Bank. It was a very scary. It was very scary because we pull up to Dell Tech Bank. There's nothing in there. Not a single thing. Concrete floors. Everything's been ripped off the wall. We start looking in the window. It's gone. It's not there. We go back. There's a security guard. I wish we would have went through the dumpster. And like, we never... silly, stu like, stupid question, but you're sure you're at the right spot. 100%. Yeah, this will make sense in a, in a few seconds um, if I ever get to my point. <laughs> so we go out back, and we're looking out back. Security guard comes to us. Mm. Oh, no, they moved. We're like, okay, cool. They moved. Okay, that's great. So then they take us to a door that shows us where the address, where they went, is. It's across the street. <laughs> so like, cool, it's across the street. Um, now, I will say when you look at that bank, uh, when you are when you go on the inside of that bank, and I look, I can't tell you one way or the other, but I can tell you that uh, I definitely a hundred percent know everything that was inside of that bank. Um, uh, I may know someone that walked inside and took a look around, um, but maybe found some evidence actually inside of there. But what I will tell you is it's not being refurbished. <laughs> it's not actively refurbished. And we know we went there on Monday as well. Monday, workday, nothing's going on there. There's a security guard out, out back that just sits there. That's no it. No employees? 
No, no, there's nobody. There's one security guard there. No, there's no employees. It's a, it's, it's a that's the new address. No, this is this is the old address still. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So so it's the thing on the sign says it's being refurbished. Oh, I understand. Okay. So this it's not be being refurbished. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It's not being refurbished. It's been broken down, and it's sitting there. We go to the bank on Sunday. <clears throat> to, well, I, I just gotta say, sometimes you have to wait for permits. Nothing happens for a while, and then you start. That's why you might not have seen any kind of work. Fair, done, fair, right? fair. Possibly, possibly that could be going on. Yeah. It's not actively being refurbished as we speak. I would like to get the timeline to find out when it started. That um, I know that there. <laughs> I know for one hundred percent sure that people were in that building in two thousand and thirteen. Um, is one thing I will say, but. Um, people will find out more about what that means uh, probably in a couple weeks. But we went to the new bank, and there's security guard at the new bank. And security guard, we go out back. It's a Sunday. We make a video out there, you know, like, check, oh, here I am at Dell Tech Bank, you know, whatever. And our narrative when we went, like, what we wanted to uncover is there's nothing to uncover. That's what we were hoping. Like, because when I pulled up that bank and there was nothing in the windows, I was scared. I was like, what have we uncovered here? We found out it's being refurbished. It's moved to another place. Good. We want Tether to be okay. Yeah. We don't want Tether to be a scam. We don't want Dell Tech Bank to be a scam. That's bad for crypto. Like, we hope, regardless of how it was built, that it's in good standing now, right? <clears throat> so we go and talk to the security guard and say, is this Dell Tech Bank? And say, yeah, man, it's Dell Tech. You know, it's a guy from Bahamas. Like, where, he's like, they're on the fifth floor. It's like, okay, can we go in? He said, no, it's a weekend. Sometimes they come in on the weekend, sometimes they don't, but it's on the weekend. Like, there's nobody there. So, okay, what time do they get here in the morning? He said, about 8 o'clock, I get here in the morning. I said, okay, cool. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. So I make a little video talking about, like, hey, guys, like, actually, we were there. We, we were kind of scared that, uh, you know, there was, um, you know, there was nothing there. We're over here. They're telling us there's people that work there. He said 10 people go in there every day, whatever the case. And so we show up the next day. So next day we go in there. We meant to get there at 8, but uh, we ended up having to change our flight. And so we got there about 9.30. Get there at 9.30. The moment we pull on the property... There's a security guard out there just looking at us, smiling. He had this look on his face like, he knew, they, they're waiting on us. Also, somebody told me that that security guard, uh, now I don't know if this to be true, someone told me they work in the building and that they, they don't usually have security there. They literally went and got a security guard to sit outside and wait for us. We show up. Immediately as we pull on, he's smiling, telling us to go, telling us to go. Well, we don't take no for an answer. So we parked anyways and got out. Um, and, uh, so what's going on? He said, yeah, they said they don't want to talk to you. you. You're not allowed to be here. I said, oh, we're not allowed to be here. He said, yeah. I said, what? Tell them to come talk to us. All we want is we want for them to come talk to us. That's it. Just come talk. Like we want your story to be good. Like we're not coming to attack you. We actually want to come and get the, the answers so that people know that you're okay. Like you should want to invite me up there and have this conversation and end this. Walk you through the office. Okay, good. Everything looks good. You know, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, um, the guy kept saying it's private property. Well, here's an interesting thing about the Bahamas. Let me tell you, we met so many great people from the Bahamas. We never had one bad interaction with somebody that was from the Bahamas. Only bad interactions we had were with foreigners that were not, you know, were not Bahamas citizens or weren't weren't, weren't natives. Okay. Yeah. So even that security guard, even the security guard that kicks out of the Albany, they were they, they were in support of what we were doing. They want this stuff to be uncovered, but they were just like. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. 
Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Uh, what can I do? You know? But don't you think sometimes it happens where, look, when our journalist is coming in, we just there is nothing to talk about, don't put him. And especially when it comes down to you, you're very outspoken. And yeah. some people might view as the Alex Jones and I'm picking it from they you. Say of that, the, yeah. of the, <laughs> Don't make me so take my shirt off. Might, you're no, talking about now, frogs. Now, uh, listening to you, I understand you. You genuinely want to find good, yeah. right? But then some other people might see the room and like, listen, I don't want to. I don't want to mean. I'm busy. Uh-huh. Just and sure. I, that may be a lot more simple uh-huh. as an explanation than just building a whole. Because there was yeah. th- th- that's what happened, right? They just didn't let you in, right? Or you ended up still running. Oh, there's through. more. Oh, there's, there's more. more. Oh, we're going to we're, we're gonna get to more. Okay, let's go. Let's go. And I'm totally good. I'm totally good with people like not wanting to talk to me, but I'm gonna come metaphorically kick your door in and throw a digital okay. sledgehammer through your window and you're going to talk to me. All right. You don't, you, you don't have a choice. Yeah. Come out and talk to me or else we are going to throw you under the bus so hard that you're not going to be able to get back up okay. because it's time we get the answers. The mainstream ma- media, they're pussies and we're not. And we're going to come get the information because the people deserve it. You can't have a bank with $65 billion from one company and not have accountability. That's over. Like we're in a new day and a new time. And I really hope people are starting to grasp and understand this. So yeah, Dell Tech, if you don't want to come talk to me, that's great. You want to talk about your Bank Secrecy Act, which is in the Bahamas. I know you don't care about any of that stuff. We're going to get it one way or the other. So you, your best option is to come out and give it to us freely. You're going to come off a lot better. And so um, I'll talk about what they said in the email just now um, here in a moment. But basically they come and they kick us off the property. Well, once again, remember, nobody in the Bahamas... Everyone in the Bahamas wants us to get these stories. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the Bahamas, they, they don't want to arrest us. So we go stand right on the property line. And guess what? Nobody comes. The security guard just stands on the property line. We're on a Twitter spaces. We're YouTube live streaming. We're yelling. We're pointing up. Guy in the window of the Dell Tech floor looks down and flicks us off. <laughs> what? Did, did you know, by the way, that Dell Tech Bank was started by the guy who created Inspector Gadget? <laughs> Wait, so it shows that, someone who's working show? over there. Yes, you can't, you can't make this stuff. We're, uh, I, we're not going to get it. It's a kid's show. Anyways, yeah. the point is... Isn't know, that crazy? But anyways, th- this is how professional this company is. Is they literally have 10 employees, uh, according to what we... Heard, and one of them is up in the window flicking us off. Can you imagine if your Bank of America teller did that? Yeah, they'd probably be I mean, fired. They'd be fired immediately, yeah. right? Yeah, it doesn't matter if you don't want to talk to the press, but yeah. don't don't yeah. don't make us look that bad. We expect the bank that that backs tens of billion. billions of dollars uh-huh. to be a little bit more professional. Yes. Yeah. So I, y'all, I are, y'all are now starting to see this, right? So yes. so we sit there and we're live streaming, and so they're not coming out. We're t- there are people coming out that are wanting to talk to us. We're like, we can't really tell you much right now, but just know we really support you being here. People that work in the building on wow. the other floors, other floors, but not other floors. Okay. okay? <clears throat> so finally, we say, okay. All right, that's fine. We're going to walk back 
to the bank. We're going to walk back over to uh, the other bank because it's right across the street. I said, because basically it's this. Hey guys, they say this bank's re being refurbished. Let's go show you what's going on over this one, and and then we'll be we'll be back over there. We're not leaving until we get this stuff. So it was amazing. As soon as we walk to the other bank, here comes a white SUV with people from the bank want to talk to us. They huh. didn't want us to show what was in that bank. Oh. So. Uh huh. Okay. Once again, I think we look at how so, long okay. is being refurbished, uh, and I, I I will tell those people. I have evidence. <laughs> I have things that we found, literal documents that you left laying around at the bank. We have that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and we have multiple copies of it too. So if they want to come after me, that's fine. I don't want to have- It's going to still come out. Yeah. It, 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 it's <laughs> going to still come out. Come shoot me, it's still going to come out. Okay. Yeah. So we have stuff that they don't even know that we have that is potentially condemning. Now, we're still going through a lot of that stuff and going through phone numbers and meetings and times and dates. So I'm not going to tell you right now I've got a smoking gun on it, but I'm telling you, we got a lot of evidence. But on the whole, the whole takeaway is that a lot of the infrastructure supporting crypto is Bush leagues at best. Oh it's, yeah, it's just for amateur, sure. Amateur. It's itself. amateur hour all the way around. Yeah. yeah. Now Delta Bank's been around since 1987. It's not, it's not a brand new bank that just popped up overnight. Right. Uh, and people are looking at that Farmington, the Moonstone Bank that's up in, in, in Washington, which we're also probably going to go to as well and get answers there. But so what happens is the lady comes out and talks to us. She's a very nice lady, right? Um, I think her hands are tied, I think. I am actually going to be talking to somebody who had a direct interaction with her on the phone probably when I leave One here. One of the representatives that came up from the bank. Well, yeah, uh, her name was, uh, I think, Janae is her name. She asked not to be on camera. But we turned the cameras off and talked, and we said, okay. And so we asked her, we said, okay, what do we need to do? She said, well, give us some, some written questions. And we will get, get back to you. I said, well, you know, that's fine. And we'll give you a written question. We're coming to get an interview. Like, it behooves you to let us come up and do this on the fifth floor and clear this up. And she said, okay, we'll see what we can do. We'll talk. So then they respond to us the next day and said, well, you know, like, uh, we can't answer a lot of these questions because of Bank Secrecy Act. And, you know, I, I don't know if they think we're not coming back. Like, they tried to just push us off is what they tried to do. So right now, what did they, what did they send you? Well, so, so we asked them, okay, well, we'll come back on Friday. And so they said, well... You know, we, the best we can do is written answers to some of your questions. Okay, that's fine. Uh, so that's what they just said. That's what they just responded and said. Like, yeah, we're not going to be conducting it in person. That's fine. We're bringing protesters. We're, we're going to bring a whole army of people that FTX is screwed, and we're going to stand right on your property line until you come out. So this is, this is all FTX. This is not, not related to, to Tether no, well, right now. Alameda and FTX are the banking partner of Deltec. It's all, it's all, it's all tied together. Cause yeah, one of the things that came out while we were there, uh, Lincoln Bain. So Lincoln Bain's a guy <clears throat> that is an activist politician there in the Bahamas. Almost every, we talked to pro, we asked probably 20 people from Bahamas, what their opinion of him was 18 of them over the moon. Love the guy. He, I told him this morning, we were texting. I said, we fight the same fight. You know, we're, we're fighting the same kind of thing. One person was like, ah, all politicians are corrupt. And then one person who worked for the bank was like, I wonder why, you know? Yeah. So we go and we have a live stream with him and we're talking, he's showing his documents. Uh, he's got all kinds of stuff that people, like we broke the story that uh, FTX and Alameda were basically laundering money through their real estate. Um, so on October 19th, now we don't even have all of the listings for this company. Uh, and they're so, they're so sloppy. They're all so freaking Bush League. It's unbelievable. If you're going to launder money, through, now, I've never laundered money, okay? But I'm just saying, if I were to launder money and I were to do it through real estate and my, the name of my company was FTX Digital Markets and also Alameda Research, 
if those are the names of my company and I want to create a shell company in order to launder money through real estate, do you think I should call it FTX property holdings and Alameda that property holdings? That would be a great holdings? idea. That would be this way you remember. Yeah. <laughs> this this way is definitely tied together. Yeah. So somewhere in the somewhere in the recent uh, in the last year, I don't have a date on this. They created uh, uh, FTX property holdings. And they started buying real estate through that. Well, now this, this you do it when you don't think you're going to get caught, right? You do this when you think I'm outside. I'm oh, there's so much, so much reason yes. why they didn't think they were going to get caught. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. they do with it? They were, ta- I mean, part of these customer funds, they were taking out and putting in real estate in the Bahamas. That's what they're doing. They're, so far, they're they're, disclo- they're showing off that there's about nine hundred million dollar worth of properties, seventy two million dollar. Condo, uh, well, the numbers the numbers are actually is it thirty? The, the penthouse was thirty million dollars. The mom's house is sixteen million dollars. Mm-hmm. It's in Old Fort Bay. That's uh, another gated community similar to the Albany. Those two are actually in Sam's name and his parents' names. All the other ones are in FTX property holdings. There's a total of about one hundred thirty-eight point five million dollars of what we know for that one the, for that one listing. On October nineteenth, three weeks before the insolvency. They created an additional company, Alameda Property uh, Holdings. We don't even know everything they put up under that umbrella. That was they created that company. And we're funneling money out like crazy. We think in the Bahamas alone, the number could be somewhere around three hundred million dollars. But we we're also told they did this in Dubai too. Oh, they've got other places around the world for property. They were also doing this. So, so if that's the case, so then I have a question. I have a question. So if you look at Reserve fractional banking, where banks have money, but they only have to keep so much in that's, reserve. That, that's over. They don't do that anymore. Do they not do that at all? No, fractional reserve banking got destroyed, got cut out during the pandemic in 2020. Yeah. They, they don't have they to hold any money. Off. They took oh, off. Oh, completely? That. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're all, all the banks the are insolvent. It was 8%. They call it the Basel <laughs> yeah, Accord. Yeah. Were during during that, but they're gonna reinstating it now, little by little. There's like a load so testing. What they're trying they to do? They're te- testing, yes, right? Yes. Yeah. No, my point is, so they didn't have to keep all the money mm-hmm. in the actual bank. So. When you speak about okay, but F- this is not regulated. This no, is I know. Not, yeah. So then, if FTX takes some money, it's it's well laundering, not la- it's embezzlement. Yeah, whatever. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not a lawyer, but yeah. no, no. But the point is, um, like, is there obvious? I I want to ask this question, but I don't want to make it sound like it's obvious. So obviously, they shouldn't do that. Yeah. Obviously, they shouldn't do that. But legally, I don't know. There's four percent of people that said it was okay. Legally, when they took the money, yeah, was that something that you were signing up for? Like, is there okay, actual criminal? Great question. Great, great question. Fantastic question. Num- number one, with banks, they're all insolvent. That's why a bank run is called a bank run. If yeah. we Because there's no fractional reserve banking. If we all went to the bank today, man, I wish we could get people to do this. We all went to the bank today. If I want to take $5,000 out of my account to take to Las Vegas to, to play poker with, I've got to call a week ahead of yeah, time. I know. $5,000. Guys, that's not that much money. I know it might be that's a lot of money. That's what you got to do today? Uh-huh, from yeah, our, dude, our bank, yeah. You can't, you can't get cash. They very, don't have it's cash. It's very hard to take cash out of, like, a lot of cash out of a bank. Sometimes if you want to take, like, 30000 out, you got to go to, like, two, three banks. Uh-huh, yeah. Or they don't have it in one they don't specific have it, Or they don't let you. They're no, like, they, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, so so let's first make a distinction. This is why crypto exists, is reaction to things like yes. that, right? These, it's not perfect yet. I believe we will get there to a better system using crypto and, and Bitcoin. But when it comes to what what's happening in our banking world, this... This is why Alameda did this. They call, they come from Jane Street Trading. They they come from traditional market. They just try to bring to crypto 
what they're already doing in the banks. That's the biggest scam of the whole thing mm. is that's what all the banks are. Why do you think Goldman Sachs pays off Andrew Ross working to write fluff pieces? The banks know what they do, and they have to have good press all the time. So th that's the first part of this. The, the second part of this is where you are discussing, is this basically crime to customers? No. With Celsius, okay, Celsius was a lending platform and had an earn program. So when you put your money on there, you understood they were taking that money and they were leveraging it, hopefully in a safe way. It wasn't a safe way, but hopefully in a safe way in order to earn you yield, to earn the company yield, and you got a percentage of that. Basically, the same exact thing that banks do, right? Gemini. Gemini had an earned program as well. Well, Gemini's earned program was backed by Genesis, uh, Genesis Trading that's had a lot of problems. And now all the customers that were earning on that earned program, their profits on their yield are locked up. Their actual money that they put in, they can still withdraw and is not gone. But the earned program piece is, right? Mm. When you sign up for those programs, you understand that's happening. When you sign up on an exchange to sit your money there for it to just sit, no, that's a crime. You cannot take customers' funds and do whatever you want to with it. Even though banks do that. Even though banks do. Yes, I know. Even though banks do, <laughs> right? It, you're not allowed to do that. It, it, it's fraud. You're lying to your customers because what's, what's the difference in taking the funds to buy pizza and taking the funds to invest in something if the people think their funds are there? This is what it creates. It creates a website that is zeros and ones of what is in an account, and it might as well be a Photoshop PDF. Mm -hmm. There's nothing backing it internally, and that's why everybody ends up in this situation is because they trusted FTX too much, and they thought that everything was going to be okay, and they thought their funds were safe. How, even do, you, how, do, you, how do you know now if they're deregulated and... This was a centralized exchange, right? Yeah, of course. But still, if you are centralized, do you think they should be governed by, say, the U.S. or something else if they're traded in the U.S.? Because oh, that's a great question. Okay. Or no matter what. <sighs> These are things I love talking about. The only person that is worse uh, than Sam Bankman-Fried. Now, look, there, there's a chance Sam Bankman-Fried has been played in all this, and he's not actually as bad as we think he is. That's kind of some stuff we're uncovering is that there's an infrastructure behind him that's the mechanism for turning this wheel. And I think he actually may have been naive in a lot. Of, like I said, I think I know more about what was going on that, than he did, right? But when, when you look at um, – uh, was I lost my train of thought. Was it? I will remind you my question. Please. So Thank if you. you are a – if you're decentralized, you're decentralized. Okay, regulation. No, okay. Yeah, but if you are centralized, don't you need to at least at okay. that point So the person, the person that is more responsible than Sam Bankman-Fried – the person that's more responsible than any human that exists on earth for people losing their money is Gary Gensler, the SEC chair. Okay. He, his job is to create clarity and regulation in, in the security space, which means in crypto we don't have any, basically. He has a responsibility to create that. Instead, he's got sidetracked with letter after letter after letter, going after person after person after person, exchange after exchange after exchange, except for FTX he's meeting with Sam, which... We can get into the to the crazy uh, you know things there as well, considering that Sam's girlfriend Caroline, who was the CEO of Alameda, her dad was Gary Gensler's direct boss at MIT. That's another story, but the fact here is Gary Gensler has a has had a dereliction of duty. He hasn't created any clarity. He's only done it through enforcement. I try to compare the SEC. What it's but enforcement is settlements, which isn't clarity. Exactly, and even within that, like even when the XRP case is over, the Ripple case, 
There's gonna be so many redactions. Like we're no, not gonna get that, pressed. That's the, the, now you're going into the <clears throat> details of this. No, 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 no. This is important. Okay. The, the reason is, no company will register in the United States now. Mm. No, because of Gary Gensler and the lack of clarity. Coinbase and Gemini. Well, Gemini's got the bit license. Coinbase is kind of grandfathered in. Like I said, I think I think they have been a better actor than most of the other actors in the space. Not perfect, but. Um, you're not going to get any exchange is going to come register here. Why would they register in a world where they have no idea what they're stepping into? Once again, it's like describing an art piece while you're blindfolded. Like, what regulation is going to look like for these companies when they register? They have no idea. They, assuming he was doing it right, right? Assuming next person after him will do it right. Do you think philosophically an exchange, a, a centralized exchange, should be regulated yeah, properly, right? Ab absolutely. Yeah, right. Absolutely. But... We're, we're still at a, a fundamental misunderstanding of so many pieces about crypto to where there are not people in place that can make those decisions well mm -hmm. right yes. now. And, and if those decisions are made too early, it's going to stifle innovation. And if they're made too late, it's going to crush retail uh, sentiment and confidence, right? So we have a bill right now, and we're supposed to get it hopefully funded. We've been talking about getting funded. It's hard to raise money in a bear market. It's $3.7 yes. million dollars what we're raising for it. Um, but, but our bill is a mechanism... To, to create crypto regulation. We're not like Sam trying to tell people what we think should happen. We're trying to create kind of like a body that makes those decisions that has crypto representation. A body that can actually make these decisions in, a, in an informed way, not just like Elizabeth Warren reactionary, like, environment's bad, so let's ban Bitcoin. You know, mm -hmm. like, you know, or Bitcoin means People that are educated, that are yes. knowledgeable, that are... Yeah, okay. Yeah, that we need people that fit the philosophies of crypto represented there too, right? Like, obviously, you're going to ha have to have, like, good cops, bad cops, people in the middle, people from different expertise. But we've got to have some of the people that wrap up the ideals of what crypto was started as to keep the integrity of it. So because of all that, uh, you know, we don't have the regulation in place to be able to invite people to come here. Yes, yeah, centralized exchanges, if it's not obvious, centralized exchanges need regulation Sam was trying to destroy DeFi and decentralization, which is so ironic because yeah. there's never been a bigger walking billboard for, you know, or, or neon light for decentralization than what we've just gone through. 100%. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, okay, so. Question number two. Question number two. <laughs> <laughs> Out of 49 questions. Yeah, okay, here we go. How do we, how do we stop all this from happening again? Yeah. So, you know, what's the, so we have Coinbase, which is regulated, centralized, and that's, uh -huh. They're acting well. They're you know they're doing a good job, but nobody real many people didn't see FTX coming. Right. So what's the lesson that we have to take into the the future? You're sort of pushing mm -hmm. tether now. I can see this is like a, a thread you're following. Oh yeah, there's so much more. We're right? just I know. So I see it. So uh, all the companies that have either come to the point right now where uh, maybe they are acting properly now, but maybe yeah. they didn't get there, okay? So whatever, you can expose some things, but ultimately they're not gonna change their ways, they can't change their history. But going forward, yes. how do we do things right? Yeah, the important thing is going forward, because like, look, do I wanna see people thrown into jail over this FTX situation? Yeah, absolutely, I wanna see people going to prison. I believe that there will be a fall guy, and you know, there, there's a, a map for that that has been done with some other things similar to where I think I know who it's gonna be, but, I want to see people go to prison, but not because I want people to be punished. Like, I want people to go to prison to prevent this from happening again. That's what I care about so much. Crypto was born out of libertarian ideals, right? I certainly ascribe to a lot of those ideals. People probably know which side of the politics I'm on, like, in general. 
But when it comes to like libertarian values, almost everybody that really is deeply entrenched in crypto shares some of those, right? Freedom, fi- freedom and financial privacy, you know, sovereignty yeah. of your own money. Like those are things that, that we care about. And we want to return the space to that. Now, your Bitcoin maximalist will tell you Bitcoin is the only way there. I'm more realistic in terms of, I do believe Bitcoin does eventually become the world reserve currency, but I think it's 25, 50 years down the road. It's a long battle before then. We've got to all work together on all fronts to try to get it to where it needs to be, right? We have got to stop looking at our portfolios and saying it is great for BlackRock to come into crypto. It is great for the Wall Street to come into crypto. It's not. It's not great for these people to come into crypto because they want to destroy it from the inside. And I said this last year, like the way institutions and banks want to destroy crypto is from the inside out. It's not from the outside in. They can't touch it from the outside. It's like, even if there are laws against DeFi, even if they come out with laws against decentralization, you can still do it. Yeah. You, you can still do it. It's like, it's like living in China. Like you've got a digital fence there. You can't get around stuff. Use a VPN. You can still you know, eventually when the community is big enough, any politician looks at the demographic and tell himself, look, if I'm going to go uh-huh. against decentralized, I am not going to get elected again. Therefore, I have to support whatever it is. So it, it's yes. just a matter of kind of like get big or die in that size of the community. Otherwise, it's not good. But, but crypto is too big already. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I, I agree. I think that I think that especially in certain areas, if you're if you're in the West Coast or so on, where it's a little bit more. Yeah, I feel like people are going to have a hard time kind of yeah. like going and getting elected. I, yeah. I agree. What, what, and I can tell you, because I'm, I'm very plugged into this political world, what you said is 100% accurate. The Democrats have came out against crypto. They're recanting that. Mm. that there is now a move to the next Democratic presidential candidate will be pro-crypto. It's not who you think it's going to be. Uh, there's already a movement. I don't know if anybody can understand this. Joe Biden's not going to be the next president. They're, they're, the Democrats have already chosen who it's going to be, and this person is pro-crypto. They are looking back. How do you say that with such like authority? Because yeah. I know the lobbyists, I know the politicians, and I know the, the Democratic who, Party. Who is the person? Well, I can't give you. Oh, you want me to tell you who the person is? Yeah. I'll say the person is. Gavin Newsom. Well, he already announced that he's not going to go against Biden. We'll see. In 2024. We'll see. I'm super curious. That's, how not, that, that, that's not a popular sentiment right now, right? <laughs> like, why in the, when midterm elections are going out, he's going to come out and say he's not going to do it? Basically, there is there is a group of uh, uh, Democratic lobbyists or committee, whatever. I, I'm not. I'm just getting new to this world, but basically, they choose who the presidential candidate. Why do you think Bernie Sanders didn't have a chance? Joe Biden was always chosen to be the person. They don't like Joe Biden anymore. They've turned south on him. He makes them look bad. I, they don't think he can win the next election. Uh, Gavin Newsom's going to end up. We'll, we'll see. To quote this, uh, screenshot it. Uh, you know. Remind me, tweet in two years. All right, that's since, since you, you touched yeah. that part, do you think the election were rigged in 2020? Well, I can't get canceled on Twitter anymore. Thanks, Elon Musk. So I can tell you whatever thing. No, no look, <laughs> I, look, look. I, I, but they can cancel Twitter on Apple, so <laughs> that can happen. Well, I've been saying that's a very scary thing. Here, here's what I'll tell you about elections. We have to move them to blockchain, but it's not there oh. yet. Once things get moved to blockchain in a way that is smart, um, and it, it is done where literally fraud will not be possible in that we're going to be a much better place i don't Perhaps know if you guys that's why they wouldn't let it go to blockchain if they did rig the election why would they it, because they can't keep rigging it and getting away with it i'm not saying they did rig it okay i'm just saying if they did rig it so you don't you don't think so you <laughs> I said believe, for sure they did not i, I believe the election um i be so careful what i say here um i believe that when it comes to the elections at minimum yeah 
the the pandemic was used in a way to favor one party heavily. Okay. At, that's at minimum. Now right. at maximum, you get into conspiracies, people pulling out ballot box, whatever. To me, that's not really what's that important because no uh, leveraging fear for news cycles and eventually yeah. a vote is a pretty big deal, and that's yeah. pretty obvious. Right, yeah, we, exactly. we we don't want to be suppressed on our views in this t- in <laughs> yeah. this podcast. Let's continue. There we, we go. We yeah. don't know. We don't know. That's yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> I, do, I, do, I don't know for sure. And, and I, I will tell you though, yeah. I have talked to people that are heavily on the inside of that that I do trust that say that the idea that it was completely rigged is way overstated and not close to reality. But, but obviously, there are some things that were used at minimum. Now, I'm not saying those people are correct, you but... Know, you know, it's fucking annoying. It's you like you when do you, have a self-preservation. I, I like that now. Now I understand <laughs> that. People <laughs> think I just fire off the hip. Like, I'm very... I'm, I'm much more calculated with the things I say. That's, do not that's say good. No, you're, yeah. you're a smart dude. Um, but it's annoying when you look at the news... Like, just thinking about leveraging fear and news cycle to achieve a result yeah. versus lack of coverage for something that's an actual issue. Yeah. That's, what's, that's really fucking annoying. Yeah. Like, yeah. you think about how many, like scare articles about COVID and yeah okay people are stressed out but like you can't tell me that news didn't push that fear and ingrain that fear in people 100%. by showing up every single day new strains new this new that nothing's working more people dying like but then nothing crickets on yeah. 8 but, billion but it's dollars great. lost it's, it's great though once again because this has led them to having zero credibility yeah yeah. the future of media is YouTube Rumble Twitter that's yeah, in, my, in my country for instance uh, media which country is that? Israel Israel, okay. I'm from Israel, so the media was for many years. I mean, what you see over here in America, we've had this. I mean, now it's much more polarizing. America today is not what it used to be when you look at uh, Democrats versus Republicans. Yeah. It just, it's all about the extremists on both sides. It's not really what it used to be in the 80s. What you see today, it's what we've seen in Israel, I want to say, in the 90s. And then it turned back uh, to a point that things start changing. Yeah. And now you had some alternative. Mm-hmm. We had alternative channels before the internet provided that mm-hmm. to us. It's like we've seen that before and it, it goes back in a circle. Yeah, and, and I think and I think that's the important thing to talk about the elections too. I'm not to bring it back to that, but it, it's very in sync. Like people think at this point, like, well, you know, there's no point in voting. Democrats are gonna win pres- they're gonna win everything forever because the system is set up. That's not the way politics work. It always swings back and forth. It always swings. It, it, it always 100%. swings. And so with the media, I, I think the media is at a point where it can't swing. Uh, because we're in a new age of news delivery, right? Fox News, CNN, Newsmax, CNBC, MSNBC, whatever you want to look at there, like, they're just not going to be the delivery channel for New, New York Times, well, Washington Post. They're yeah, not the delivery for the news. New age, it's like reporting, like you said, reporting, whatever, 2.0, 3.0. Yep. It's like we already figured out, like, content consumption distribution that's already migrated social so now it's i love it like citizen journalism yeah I, li- I like i like taking <clears throat> lines from other people someone said how do you know if a news channel is is biased well say you look at cnn and fox news right fox news said nothing positive about obama only negative and look mm-hmm. at cnn everything was negative about trump nothing positive that's how you know yep. that they're cooking your brain they're not trying to give you any true information they're manufacturing it and that's how you know they're not and that's where people start looking outside some people yeah. not. well and they're all owned by the same people i mean blackrock and vanguard are the top holders in almost every media company oh wow yeah go, go, go one of their biggest you know uh one of their biggest holdings uh the company that owns you know cnbc you know mm. um which is financial channel now i will say to be fair 
I've had mostly good interactions with CNBC, so I'm not going to throw them under the bus. Um, to, to me, that's what's important is my personal relationship with some of these companies and how, yeah. they, how they treat me. CNBC came out to do a hit piece on me at my office. They came out of my studio and filmed a video that was very obvious when we were answering questions. Uh, they, they tried to okey-doke me. I have a bankruptcy in my past. So when I was 21, when I was in the middle of my addiction, I filed a bankruptcy. Uh, I, had big ga- I was gambling. <laughs> no shocker, probably. Like, I like to take gambles. Like, I was big gambling online, losing money, all kinds of stuff. And, like, one of the questions that got asked during this interview was, like, so you filed for bankruptcy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we already talked about the addiction stuff. I was in the bottom of my life. Yeah, obviously. But they tried to okey-doke me with a question. Nobody's ever even heard that before. It never even made public. So maybe I'm announcing right now I had a bankruptcy when I was 21. Um, Which is not even a big <laughs> It's not it's a, not big, a deal, big deal, right? But it's like the, the round of questioning on coins that we talked about and stuff. It was like, oh no, like. But I think they came to my office and they talked to my employees and they looked around. They were like, this isn't the guy that people think that he is. And yeah. so they actually came out. It wasn't a bad piece on me. It was fair. I just care about being fair. Like yeah. certainly people can ask questions and criticize me, but just be fair. My 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 experience with CNBC has been they've been very fair to me, and I will take that. Yeah, I mean that's why we do, that's why I love podcasts actually. because yeah. we don't chop like we don't edit uh-huh. stuff we would out. Never it's just yeah. like yeah. Uh, we definitely don't do that. God forbid. But I mean, what about the like, part where I told him to come kill me? Are you gonna edit that out? <laughs> no. Like, uh, the, the thing is, the thing is, we, we, with our with our podcast, we have one thing we want to come out smarter. Yeah. Every time we talk to someone, yeah. and, and I'm definitely enjoying this because I am learning. And a lot and, and <laughs> being smarter means you you cross some boundaries in terms of uh-huh. like you know trending very very emotional shit that people are yeah. dealing with. That alcohol was supposed to make you say everything, but you already <laughs> you already open. I don't like, need it. Like I a, told yes, you I have an overshare. Was, you know. Idea. All right. What do we What do we not do? I mean, um, I don't want to do like the whole like go through coins and shit because that's really cheap. I, I'm going to ask you something though. Some of them are Gary even v. cheaper right now. I have I have oh, I have a can question. Can I ask one more question? Sure, sure. Go ahead, go ahead. Why were you getting yelled at yesterday on? Set? Oh gosh. <laughs> well, there, look. There's there is a thread on Twitter. This guy Zach XBT. He's like you know kind of like a. He's like a less good journalist than me. <laughs> Sorry, Zach. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, the point is, like, he's a guy that was exposing stuff and has been exposed. He, he's done a lot of good stuff in the space. Him and Coffeezilla are two guys that have really done a lot of good stuff. They busted off a lot of good scams um, and things like that. However, to be able to keep up their, you know, what they do, like, sometimes they give incomplete information, or sometimes I think they talk. Like, Coffeezilla has always been fair to me. Coffeezilla has always talked to me and asked me questions before he put something out about me. And he hasn't really put out terrible stuff about me out there. Uh, Zach never did. Um, Zach would just like to go and attack me for stuff. And he hasn't attacked me much over the last year because there's not a lot to attack. Uh, so he put out this very famous Twitter thread about me last January, in January, about a year ago, um, that was about projects that I covered. About half of it was factually incorrect. He had a, like one thing he said, we covered a coin that rug pulled and blah, blah, blah. No, they just rebranded and it's a different ticker. Like the project's still there, the website's still up, it still works. They rebranded, so you didn't actually do the full research on that. You just saw a coin and you stopped there and said, oh, it was a scam, but it actually wasn't. Some of the projects they brought up in there, yeah, they turned out to be scams. I didn't know they were scams. Oh, this goes back to what we were talking about before. Back to what we were talking about before. And this, this woman at the conference was going off on you. Off that same thread. That's okay. what, when CNBC came to my office, that's what they want to dig into is that thread over and over and over again. We get questions. Okay. I did a 160 tweet response to that that exists on Twitter. People want to know exactly my response to every single thing, every single one of those accusations. They go back and look. But at the end of the day, there is no... The, I have remorse for mistakes that I made, mm-hmm. for sure. And I've owned that. No person in crypto has owned their mistakes more than me. And so for, we, had, we had not done a sponsored video in a year, and we'll never do a coin or token promotion video again. So she came on, she, she tried to rush the stage where they you know, stopped her from. 
But basically, all she wanted to do was talk about how bad of a person that I was based on this Twitter thread that she actually had no knowledge or evidence herself on. She was just reading tweets. And so I made the point, like, you know, this lady's a child molester. Why, why can I not say that? Because mm. you can just, all you have to say is, you're a scammer, you did this, you did this. You have no evidence. If you spent a day with me, you would understand how dramatically untrue what you're saying is, but yet you're still saying it because you're part of an angry mob on Twitter that just likes to regurgitate other things that you see and you and live that it. stuff comes out at conferences. And that stuff comes out at conferences. <laughs> and so she was attacking me over this same thread that people attacked me for a year on. We st After that thread, we said, you know what? Like, we do feel like we made some mistakes. Let's stop doing sponsored videos completely. We gave 100% of our YouTube money away for this year to our, our one of our NFT projects that, that, that we have. So like we pulled back so far from that and we listened and we were like, you're right. The stuff doesn't look good. Like, yeah. and, and it's less than 1% of my content that was sponsored, but I make a, I make five videos a day. It's still a lot of content. And so we really took that thread and looked at ourselves in the mirror and said, how can we be better? What, how, what can we do? Because we're not bad people and we do care and we don't want people to, to lose money. Like I, it kills me when people lose money. Now, when people buy at the top and they lose, that doesn't kill me because I know if they stick with us, that they'll get the money back down the road. And that's just a, a market cycle thing. But she was just yelling about all this stuff she didn't know about. She she was saying, like, you didn't talk to Sam Bankman Fried. Well, I can show you all the texts after we I, after we get off. I can show you the text that he sent me and how when I asked him to unblock me, you can go time check that he unblocked me. And it's just people that are just vitriolic and angry. Yeah. And one of the things, this is what's This so is what got sent to me when I asked uh -huh. <laughs> which questions to ask you. A hundred percent. So now now what why do you think it happens that someone like you that has a, a big cold follower goes and, and promotes something? In a certain, I mean, it was a specific yeah. one, I guess. But say, take uh, Gary Vee. He was talking about specific projects. He was uh -huh. specifically talking about the NFT market mm -hmm. and how you're gonna make eventually your invoice in NFT and so on. But then today he goes and say, keep your money, don't spend it on anything. And people still idolize him. Yeah. There's no negative chatter anywhere to find. It's not that different. Why is it that one person get all this mob gang and then another person? staying at the top of the food chain as a, some sort of a prophet? Yeah, that's a great question. But look, Gary Vee certainly gets a lot of criticism. I've seen a lot of criticism for, for Gary Vee. Oh, you have? Um, yeah, I, I've definitely seen a lot of criticism for him. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't dislike him. He's not like my cup of tea. My business partner loves him. Like my business partner actually has like some shoes. And by the way, we, we have nothing against... We, yeah, just, I don't have anything. Yeah. yeah. He, he has some shoes signed by him and all this stuff and, you know, it's whatever. But I, I think in crypto, like we do have a big problem with propaganda and bot armies. Um, like I said, we're going to be doing a big expose on this on the Solana slash FTX slash Alameda bot army and propaganda army that exists mm. out there. It's real and it's provable. Once again, 94 to 96% of people agree with us on our opinion on Sam. If you go look at the comments, it's like 60-40 or 70-30. Like the yeah, numbers are way out of whack there. And there's a, it's so easy to tell this stuff. So I, I think Gary Vee does get criticized, but I'm, he is not only in a financial world. I'm only in the financial world in crypto. Yes. So, but I do want to say, like, just one last point about the lady that heckled me. This is what's so funny about this this whole thing, right? One of the big things that people out put out about me is I had a media sheet. Everybody who may, does sponsored anything in the world of influencer, I have a media sheet. Everyone has a yeah. media sheet, right? Well, we charge thirty thousand dollars for a video. Now, one of the reasons was is because we want to weed out bad projects. We only want projects that could afford that. Because that way we don't get garbage. And yeah. we I didn't even like doing them. About the last year that we were doing those, I really hated doing sponsored videos. And I didn't want to do them. So we set our prices up really high. 
value still was probably about that. And we were not the, the most expensive people out there. I can guarantee you 30000 is not the cheapest. It's not as, it's yes. Not even close. And not the most expensive, you mean? It's not the, not the most expensive. Not, uh, not, yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, 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 right. You can pay. You could pay $100,000 for a, an ad slot. I think Tim Ferriss on his <laughs> podcast, it's like fifty k yeah. for a 30-second mid-roll. Like, this is yeah. business. Yeah. This is business. And, and people in crypto don't really understand that. And, Let and me so, ask you, were you... When you sponsored, did you say this is sponsored? For sure. Okay. 100% This is, this is time. My, my question. If I go and I declare, yeah. if it's not like there's a project, listen, I'm giving you these coins. You give me a dollar for those coins before anybody buys. Okay, now you have a piece of it. So you technically are not sponsoring it. Now let's push it. You literally go and you explain this is sponsored. Mm -hmm. Take it the way it is. And now let me tell you what it is. They paid me to say something. Now I'm saying it. And you understand that. that. From that point on, nobody can go and blame. The only problem would come down where you were not clear. Mm -hmm. Or you continue to support a scam person because it's a friend and they exactly. put you... Yeah. Yeah, that, that, is the, that is the problem that's going to come. Now, once you know it's a sponsorship... So people shit on you because you charge. Yeah, but this is what's so funny. Them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what's so funny is the lady that was heckling me she owns an NFT project and she pays influencers for motor project. Uh, okay. Pot calling the kettle black. A hundred percent. I yeah. said that on stage, yeah. you know, so, um, I probably could have handled that a little more. My emotional response could have probably been a little better, but yeah. most people that watched it and understood what happened, they said, I literally, you know, destroyed her from the ground up. So mm. I just, uh, it's just so wild. Like people like, cause Gary V has 10 times the audience you have. Mm -hmm. candidly and i don't see people yelling at him at his conferences yeah it's just like such an emotion like it's like finance uh -huh. plus i don't know it's just because i don't think he did H, I, yeah. I just uh, the yeah, point yeah. is i don't think he did anything wrong he said what he thought and what he believed in yeah. and then things turn and he's saying what he believes in now yeah and my, my point behind this is this and then it's no different than you it's, okay and you people also don't like to take responsibility 100 yeah. percent. yeah they don't and i do like that's a big difference between me and a lot of other people i take responsibility for everything i've done but a lot of the audience, they don't want to take responsibility for their own actions and own options. Like when we look at these coins that, that we covered that were highly speculative, number one, almost every coin we ever covered did well. <laughs> it's just you go into a bear market and then everything plunges down. It's like, yeah, this coin's down 97%, but the two months after we covered it, it was up 400%, or maybe it was yeah. up 30%. Like if you didn't take profits, like, that's your fault, you know? And so yeah. like it, it's really dependent a lot on, on the cycle and what, what happens when prices going up. Uh, well, as, long as, they as long as they didn't, you know, use FTX and not have a stop. So you know what? Side. You touched that point. If <laughs> if I go and I put a dollar into coins, right? When is it the point for you to say I'm taking profits? Is it? Is that that's kind of like a question that was asked yeah. with Grant Cardone? He asked your best he was friend, on my Kevin O'Leary. Really? It was yeah. it was <laughs> it was asking Kevin O'Leary, and Kevin O'Leary gave a vague answer. He said because he's he, because he wants to steal your money. But yeah. go ahead. Well, I mean, the, the the idea for me was that if if you go and you take if you made a dollar, when do you get your dollar back with some interest and leave the rest? And what's the what's the formula? That yeah, you would see it it's seven point two percent in thirty seven days. No, no, no. I'm I'm serious. If you have right now, if you have right joke. now a project, look, here, you put a dollar now, you have five dollars. Yeah. Do you take your dollar and a half out and leave the rest? It's it, 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 how it's, would you do it? it? It's market cycle dependent. So in crypto, we have a very strong roadmap for how the market moves. Mm. We've been saying since april well really the first week of may we put out the video we made the video in april uh we believe the bottom of bitcoin should be in between november 28th and december 15th give or take a couple weeks on either end everybody thought we were crazy they said oh we bottomed in june no this is the market cycle it happens we generally know 
we thought Bitcoin was going to 100,000 in the last cycle and we got crushed because it didn't. But for two and a half years, I said the top of that market would be between Halloween and Thanksgiving. Hit exactly in that time frame. The time frames in crypto are so predictable that it's your what you're doing and how much profit you're taking needs to be dependent on what part of that cycle you're in. If you're in the part of the cycle where things are generally going up parabolically, which is about a six-month period or so, you need to be taking the profits off the table all the time. Mm-hmm. If it's a bear market and you've invested in a project at a dollar and it goes up to a you know a dollar oh four, when you take in exchange fees and off ramping yeah. and capital gains, like it's probably not worth it to pull that out for four percent. Mm-hmm. Probably better to, to let that sit and wait yeah. for a longer time period. But if you can generally within a two or three month period take the majority of your profits and then you know when the bear market time within two or three months take the you know do the majority of your accumulating, then you're going to absolutely crush in this market. There, there, there's no, there's no exact formula. It's, it's a game of trying to be most. The, the right. reason I ask you that is because when you deal with uh, day traders or, or uh, like uh, people that run a portfolio, they'll tell you, well, I put the money in. If the stack goes down 50%, then I put another 50% to buy the stack on like mm-hmm. uh, low cost average. Uh, or if it goes up, this is where I start pulling money out. Yeah. So they'll have already formulas that, that pretty much it's going to be a language that they would all speak. And that's why I wanted to see how you think about that. But, but that was just a real yeah. personal level. So, well, it's yeah. a, it, it, crypto is different than yeah. the traditional markets. And it's the, we love the volatility. We hate when it goes down, but we love it when it goes up. And yeah. you know, the volatility is really what makes it so special uh, in terms of speculation. And so, look, if you're risk averse, you're just not going to do well in this market. If you've got you know, big cojones and you generally understand what you're investing in, generally understand the times to pull profits and accumulate there's nothing like this in the entire world where you can make more money. Yeah. Okay. Two more people that I want to, I want to just touch on before we close this out. And then if you have anything else you want to go yeah. into, that's cool. But, um, I actually did want to talk about Kevin O'Leary and why he's such a, like, okay, fine, fine. He supported FTX and he's kind of been supportive mm-hmm. after the fact. Why are you leaning into him so hard? Like what's the thing yeah. with Kevin O'Leary? Okay. There's a certain special kind of hate that you have for him at this point, which I don't understand. Well, he attacked me, and I didn't like that. Uh, I don't fair. know if people can tell. If you attack me, I'm going to uncover stuff about you, and I'm going to crush you. Mm. Um, it basically, like I actually tried to offer him some protection, you know, and say like maybe he's being forced to say the stuff he's being forced. Uh, he was saying about Sam, like because once again, does it make sense for Kevin to be in that four percent that supports him? He lost a lot of money through him, and when he's saying positive stuff about Sam, you got to be saying like, why? Why is he doing that? And so. I started digging in. I started looking at what was going on. He came and attacked me over some stuff that I said. And so I, you know, once again, just crowdsource. Hey guys, what's up? What's out there with Kevin O'Leary? The stuff that I got back was absolutely shocking. I, I'm not going to go much into the, uh, the deaths of the two people in a boating accident up in uh, Toronto. I'll tell you this. Oh, sorry, you're from, I know right? the story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I heard about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Well, people on the ground that are very close to it, uh, the vast majority of those people agree with what happened and it's not the story that was told. And, um, you know, one day I may go up there. If, it, There's it, a boating accident. Uh-huh. Okay. There's a boating accident yeah. where him and his wife were in a boat and then people died because the boat crashed. Yeah. No, Their the, boat crashed and yeah, people died. Yeah. Kevin O'Leary's boat or, or the boat that him and his wife were in crashed into another boat. And but dude, was he driving the boat or was there? Well, that's, that's the, that's. I the, don't want to get, I, look, look I, I want to keep this about money for him. Yes. Because uh, I don't want to, I don't want to get too much into I'm this. I'm just giving you context. It, I because I, I think it, you know, we can get, we can borderline where people feel sorry for him and, and turn him into the victim here. And I don't want that because he's done so much other bad stuff. But that is a whole other ball of wax that, that people can start digging into if they want. I'm going to stick to the crypto. WonderFi 
one of the last companies. I, I've, I've seen him uh-huh. promote it a lot. Well, yeah, it's his company. Yeah. One of the last companies to still continue giving SBF money and continuing giving FTX money. He had actually worked out to raise $8 billion to bail FTX out. And then everything came out and people were like, it was toxic. They're like, we don't want anything to do with this. He, he was trying to get his money back. So when you look at Wonderfy, what it was doing and the overlap it had between Alameda, they were heavily in bed together. And then you start looking at Kevin O'Leary's exchange bit by in Canada. Yeah. And you start seeing a lot of the same hallmarks that you saw from FTX. Athlete promotions, right? FTX, they had Tom Brady, they had David Ortiz, they had Steph Curry. Who was the biggest, you know, uh, uh, the biggest athlete in Canada for a long time? Kyle Lowry. Yeah. They win, they got for the Toronto Raptors. Kyle Lowry to promote them. Super Bowl commercial. FTX did a big Super Bowl commercial. Bitbuy did a huge Super Bowl commercial. Uh, you, you start getting into... Uh, the way that uh, the in, the internals work, uh, very very similar, um, ran by ran by a person with a big name, right? And you start looking into bid buy, and and there's more there. I don't have it sitting in front of me. I can't remember 100 percent of the stuff that we have covered on it yet, uh, as of right now. Uh, but bid buy is another company that really fits in line with ex- in Canada doing exactly what Sam was doing with FTX. So, so so, there are rumors of insolvency with BitBuy. I've not been able to verify those, so I'm not going to come out and say that. But when you look at the relationship uh, between Kevin O'Leary, uh, and also when you go to what Kevin O'Leary did promoting IPOs, there was a big lawsuit between uh, him and Kevin Harrington were both named. They would basically, anything you would pay them to do, they would promote. They, they were, pro- I can't remember what niche it was in, but there's a Facebook video of Kevin O'Leary. It looks like a cameo. Like, you know what cameo yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. Talking about the caviar. <laughs> yes, the caviar that he's, uh, the, that they're using cameo to yeah. shoot it. Yeah. And then he's selling a caviar. Well, probably, yeah. I don't know anything about that, but like his promotion, it just sounds like cameos. It's like, you know what? When I want to invest my money, I oh. certainly want to invest my money in this IPO. But it was an investment, the cameo. I mean, I have no, no, it's not, no, it's not literally cameo. I'm, I'm, but he's he making... was, he was having a cameo okay. as, a, as a bottom. Oh, it he was. was, he was no, I am actually that because yeah. I, I got. I, I don't get, know anything about that. So yeah. if you buy caviar, yeah, you're gonna. I get, like caviar. You're gonna get heat. I thought it was a blueberry the first time I ever ate it. <laughs> no, no, no. It was <laughs> true story. <laughs> it, it is delicious. But, so he he did promote the company. I don't think he did anything more. He just sold the caviar. But what it was is there was an actual cameo on an ether because I assume they first did it with cameo. They yeah. found out they're not allowed to use cameo wow. for commercial reasons. I then he this. said, listen, yeah. I'm still promoting it and I'm endorsing it because I like it. So yeah. it wasn't trying to sell you anything, but it, it didn't look I mean, they were using cameo. I will say that people are allowed to promote. It was a sponsorship. It was clear about sponsorship. Oh yeah, this is just one of many things. Yeah. The, the, this this is just one of many things, but when I, he got sued over over this one particular one that I'm talking about, him and Kevin Harrington both got sued, and they paid a bunch of money to settle it and got it covered up. He literally like the double talk that comes out of this guy's mouth is unbelievable. He literally says in the defense of the lawsuit, "We have never heard of this company, and I've never had a relationship with them." The answer from the company back was, "No, we literally have videos of you promoting us," and his response was. Yeah, obviously we did do promotions for your company. <laughs> like, but we have no relationship. We don't know y'all. But yeah, I mean, doing promotional videos are something that we do. And it makes no sense. But you want to get into the really dark stuff. The really dark stuff is when you start getting into what happened with Celsius. It's an M. No, I'm just kidding. So when, when, you, when you get into what happened with Celsius, FTX was, look, 
Alex Mashinsky and Celsius, they had the vulnerabilities. Um, I, I, I look at I look at Alex Mashinsky a lot more like I look at Doquan or Suzu at this point. Someone that had a lot of vulnerabilities inside of what he was doing, and they got crushed and taken advantage of by people that were smarter than him and knew how to manipulate markets better. And uh, when you look at what happened with Celsius, Kevin O'Leary, a week before Celsius crashed and went down, he literally went on Coindesk, a crypto site. This has been removed, by the way. Uh, you have to dig to find this video. Uh, his team has been scrubbing all of the videos of him talking about Celsius, where he literally predicted Celsius was going to zero. How would he know? How, how would he think Celsius is going to zero when he, he's not even invested in Celsius? It's not something he, he knows internally. Like, none of us knew it. How did he know it? Well, it's because if you look at what FTX did, we never even got into <clears throat> the scam of on the back end what they were doing to projects. We have proof of this. We have evidence. We have video evidence of Dan Freeberg saying they counterfeit tokens on their markets. That's how they control the supply and control money going up and down. That's why if you look at the long to short ratio on FTX, it's like 100% short. Because when the prices would drop or when the prices would start to get momentum, they would just counterfeit tokens on the market, mm. on their exchange, to be able to control the supply and keep the prices suppressed. They did this to Celsius. They did this to Celsius. Oh, so Kevin O'Leary knew this, and, and he, he just said it without thinking that, fuck, this, this is going to pay me as somebody who actually knows what's going on inside. A hundred percent. Okay. The, it, exactly. Okay. When you look at the coordination of the- Because if not, it would have just been a great business prediction. Right. Of course. Awesome. Business guru can predict yeah. the markets. Great. Good for you, Kevin O'Leary. You know what's yeah. happening. So if you're- <laughs> But but when your best friend is Sam Bankman-Fried, and you also know that not only are they doing on this on the exchange, in addition, Sam has a gigantic short still open today, I believe on OKX or or Mexi on the sell token. So Sam is shorting. It's almost like what happened with GM, uh, GameStop. You know, it's like yeah. Sam is over there shorting it to zero. Why? This is a, a very important point here within all of this. When you consider the insolvency holds that they that, that FTX was in, they were always on a shot clock. We were on a shot clock to break the story before they acquired Voyager. If they were able to go through with the Voyager acquisition, and then the next step, because of their own manipulation and crushing Celsius and creating a, a large insolvency gap on Celsius, they were then able to buy Celsius, which they were trying to do when all this stuff broke. Then potentially they were able to buy Circle, which they were trying to come after Circle, the, the Goldman Sachs crypto arm behind USDC. They control the stablecoin market. They control the lending market. They control the exchange market. They control US regulation. They're able to hide the entire scam. Mm. This thing was not supposed to blow up overnight. Kevin O'Leary knew all this. It's so unbelievably obvious when you go back and you look at the stuff he was saying, and we have stuff on chain that supports a lot of this. And then we... We know for sure that a that business... Word, that word is hard to say. We know... No, no. We know... For, when I, I'm qualifying in the yeah. next statement. We know for sure 100% that part of the business model of FTX and Liquid was creating a counterfeit market and creating counterfeit coins of coins that are listed there. We know that for sure. There's 0% doubt. We have video evidence. We have on-chain evidence, Right. It's so. How? Why would they not be doing that with Celsius when they're shorting it to zero to try to buy it? I have a question for you. Yeah. So, obviously, if you are 100% in on this, there's going to be a point where you're going to have to be deposed and you're going to go. Oh, yeah, for court. sure. Love it. But if you think about the people that you're actually going up against, mm -hmm. 
the legal budgets they have are limitless. Yeah. How do you fight this? Uh, well, we've got politi- a lot of politicians on our side, too. We're very connected. It's it, not going to come out of your pocket. It should be the government. Yeah. It's not, it's not a civil. It's, but the it's government's not go- federal. Who's, who's, who's going to go after me civilly? Who's it going to be? Let's name them. Who's it going to be? You're a journalist. It's 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 very Who's, easy to dismiss I don't know. cases. I don't know. The, like, would it be, would it be? F- FTX's entire game, and also interestingly enough, funny, right? Kevin O'Leary's entire game. But there's other people. Is settlements. Is there must be people that are bigger than 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 SBF and Kevin O'Leary. Well, but am I going after them? Who am I going after? No, but they're going to try and defend maybe some of the stuff they knew was going on. Okay, but these eventually go to discovery. When this goes to discovery, I have such a gigantic Trevor, uh, treasure trove of evidence. No one wants to go to discovery with me, I promise. I will invite it. Y'all want to sue me? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go talk to Let me put out the evidence that I have, and let's see if you get off the mat. They know this. That's why I'm protected. They can't come after me because of what I have, and they know what I have. Kevin O'Leary does not want to sue me because he does not want to go to uh, discovery with anything. Sam Bankman Freed fled the country in 2020 to Hong Kong running from a 2019 FTX lawsuit. Why? It got the furthest to discovery it had ever been in. He knew if that went to discovery, he was sunk. So they they tried to pay New Genesis, a project that this the guy from New Genesis who's saying it's where almost all my evidences came from. He's, he has been the collector. He's been waiting to swing a punch at these guys forever. The fact is, they tried to settle with him $40 million, and he said no. They tried to... I know another project. There's different... $1.5 million was a starting point, basically. They would start with $1.5 million settlement offers, these projects that they screwed that had hard evidence on what they've been doing, Mm -hmm. and they would take the hush money. With Hussein, they came up with a guy who has money, has connections, was not who they thought he was, very connected in, in a lot of different worlds to where he basically ratcheted up the pressure to get a higher and higher and higher and higher settlement the whole time, knowing he was never going to accept it. And when people find out how Bush League and sloppy these people are, they'll understand why I'm so confident. This is not a gigantic cover-up. It's a bunch of stupid people not understanding the repercussions of their actions and thinking that they were untouchable. The evidence is so overwhelmingly plain and clear. Reef, a project that they screwed, told us everything on March 15th of 2021. Go look at the Medium article. They told you the extortion story, and nobody believed it. I didn't believe it. I laughed. I was like, Reef, that's a, that's, that's a shell project, you know? No. They had, all, they had evidence back then, and they literally published it on a Medium article, and everybody looked the other way. Why? Don't FUD my bags, bro. Don't, FTX is a great company. Why are you going to throw FTX under the bus? Like, when you look at the business practices of these people on the back end, you'll understand why I'm so confident. It, and I've got a gigantic... Marketing, marketing is, such a, is such a powerful tool when you look at the company, I think, fast, that went to $1.5 billion and then nothing, and the actual yeah. process was just, just one-page <laughs> checkout, which was nothing new, and they raised... I think a hundred million or so over just because they were always on the media. They had three hundred thousand dollars per year yeah. um, revenue. It was like, like nothing. And they, they, what happened is when you keep seeing it again and again, it comes down to the rule of seven. If you see it seven times within short period of time, it looks 
reliable. Yeah. So if you hear FTX, FTX, the mm-hmm. arena, FTX, FTX everywhere, it's like now and then Brady and O'Leary and so on, and you know, it just, it just, you, you won't believe it's, it's there, it's in front of your face. hundred percent. And I'm gonna yep. steal, I'm gonna rig, I'm gonna do it all right there in front of your face, just because no one's gonna believe yep. that it's gonna happen. And you ask a simple question: Why is it in the Bahamas? Why aren't you showing up in the United States? Why? Just the basic questions. Oh, I know why I was in the Bahamas for sure. I know the well, literal reasons yeah, I was in the Bahamas. But, yeah. So that's that's yeah. the power of marketing. Well, they well, you, do you know why I was in the Bahamas? Because the over the, the Bahamas. And I know that we, we, we talked to people. We've seen the evidence. They literally overlooked that their securities commission in the Bahamas literally overlooked the capital requirements to start an exchange there in the Bahamas. They did not have to prove funds to oh, open wow. up there. Wow. Yeah. Why? Because they didn't have the funds. It was all fake money. And we haven't got into FTT and how they were able to use that token as a flywheel to be able to, to it heavily inflate the overall value of their company. But, uh, you know, uh, what's the guy's name? Terry Duffy, I think. Uh, I can't remember the guy's exact name. He's, he's the CEO of CME, which is another horrible company. But he did make some great points on... Um, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried, he said when he met him, he, he said, he started talking to him and asking questions. He said he saw he was a fraud right away. He said, you're, you're supposedly worth $25 billion. Like, yeah, whatever. I think Elon called, his, called him out too. He said, yeah, uh, yeah I remember this thread on yeah. Twitter about he, him saying he got like red flag vibes uh-huh. from SBF and yeah. saying, is he actually liquid to the tune of $2 billion or whatever when he was trying to find money to go buy Twitter. Uh-huh. And, mm. he, and somebody said, hey, you know, go talk to SBF. I can't remember who it was. And Elon's like, I don't think he's actually like Yeah, exactly. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So this... Yeah. I didn't know that. Supposedly, it came out this week. He says he has $100,000 in his bank account. That's all he has. Now, he's got a lot of other companies with, with assets under them that I know about. But when it, when it comes to this... I think his name's Terry Duffy. Maybe someone fact check the name on this. The, the, and he's the CEO of the CME or whatever it is. He said... Something to the effect of, like, I'm barely worth nine figures. I'm not worth ten, big, 10 figures. And I guarantee you I have more money right now than you do. Wow. You know? So it, it, it's been a shell game from the beginning. Every so many, every couple yeah, of decades. Terry Duffy. Terry Duffy there every you go. couple of decades, there is, there is that story. It was, I would say, in the 90s, there was a person, uh, there was a, a, have you seen the movie Rogue Trader? Yeah. It was, it was basically uh, working for Brinks. That was the name of the the British bank that was there for 200 years and so mm-hmm. on, and he just got it under, liquidated just because he did some bad trading in uh, in East Asia. And I don't know was, the story. Yes, so he, he just he just used he he was he was managing fund for heavy wealth individuals, but then he got his traders to just go. I guess he was doing options, and he made sure that the options always going to be green because the bank was <laughs> leveraging all the money. <laughs> For a couple of big billionaires, and eventually, when it was all found out, margin call boom, the whole yeah. bank went under, and they bought it for something like five cents on a dollar. Bank that was there for years and years, and he was not, he was not. No one wanted to look into the books because he was the rock star, the yeah. trader that brought so much business into the bank, so it was untouchable. There was always the part where. Those regulators get off formula with them, with Bernie Sanders, now with SBF. So it's just, it's always going to come. Bernie just, Madoff. Ma- yeah. Bernie, Bernie Sanders, yes. Well, Bernie, <laughs> he's just going to take your money without, and he's going to be okay. That's a different, right? He's going to take a. <laughs> what a rebrand. Yeah. 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 So. All right. Wow, dude. That was wild. Good. We got some wild. Water. 
Okay, we gotta do it part two. Okay, um, yeah, we yeah. Like but we are gonna do this. We are gonna write down when we start the video saying everything that you hear over here, it's Ben's opinion. Do not shoot us in the street. <laughs> I do not want Kevin O'Leary as my enemy. I'm gonna. <laughs> Have you seen him? He's frail. Come on, man. You yes. blow him over. Um, all right, let's close this out. Okay, so like just closing thoughts for the audience. Like this is like obviously got really, really like really in the weeds. Yeah. But just like close out, you know, future of crypto. Where do you th- like where do you see it going? Yeah. What are you hopeful for? What are you excited about? Crypto is great. None of this has anything to do with crypto. None of this has anything to do with Bitcoin. That's a great point too. None of this has mm-hmm. anything to do with blockchain. It has to do with centralization and centralized powers. Good point. It, it, it it's a story of greed and it's a story of manipulation. Elites, power control, great reset, the whole nine yards. It's everything that it was actually created to fight mm. continue to be the problems. And so for me personally, I've always said this. I've always said, you know, you go back to what we were talking about, the Catholic Church and the printing press and stuff. Like, you know, look, we're heading to a dark place in the world. I think a lot of people would agree with that, and they see that. Things do swing back and forth. But the current trajectory, when you look at the WEF, when you look at, you know, power structures, elites, it's scary where things can go. I'm not going to be able to sit here and tell you that blockchain, crypto, Bitcoin, that they are going to save us. But what I'll tell you is they're our only chance. If, if, if this new financial infrastructure does not work and does not, is not able to restore privacy in our transactions, and we're able to get digital dollars and CBDCs to where every single thing you do can be tracked, you're, you're not going to need a CPA. They're going to have all the information already in real time at all times. They know exactly how much you owe. They know when you buy something you can't afford. It's a very terrifying thing to think about. Maybe your opinion. They cut your ability off to spend money. It's very scary where the world is going. We have to have crypto. We have to weed out these bad actors. We have to weed out the stock market 2.0. Crypto is not traditional finance. If you are looking at this like you think this needs to turn into Wall Street, then you need to get out because we don't want you. Let me ask you uh, if you had to choose Bitcoin or Ethereum. Which one? (laughs) You have to choose. (laughs) Oh, man. I, look, uh, I, I love Ethereum. I, I think Ethereum's okay. great. I, I think eventually Cardano passes Ethereum. Um, it, it's just, to me, it's a better infrastructure, and the way they built it is better. But in terms of investment, I, I do think Ethereum is a better investment. Not going to enjoy my uh, The tokenomics of Ethereum are now superior to the tokenomics of Bitcoin because uh, until Bitcoin hits many, 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 many uh, Bitcoin halving cycles down the road, the inflation rate of Bitcoin is going to be higher than the new inflation rate of Ethereum mm. based on the Ethereum merge. To me, I think the tokenomics are better. Bitcoin as sovereign money is better. Um, but right now, Bitcoin is digital gold. I don't know. I actually kind of think Ethereum is better. But look, we, we love Bitcoin. Bitcoin started this entire space. We owe everything to the group. I believe the group of cypherpunks that created um, you know, the, the moniker Satoshi Nakamoto and brought this. And um, you know, Bitcoin will always have a gigantic place in the space. I believe Ethereum's market cap will eventually pass Bitcoin, and it, it has better things to offer because the tokenomics are superior now, and also when it comes to uh, decentralization, um, excuse me, when it comes to a decentralized internet, which Ethereum will be the basis for, I think a decentralized internet is a better, uh, you know, return on mm-hmm. investment than just digital gold. Oh, that makes, makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Awesome. Do you have any one memorable part from this podcast? Memorable I do part. have. I'll, I'll say mine. Okay. We spoke a lot. <laughs> I feel actually, like we're doing like a sharing. I will say. Now. I will say my my mem- most memorable something you said that I've never thought about is when I ask you the question about uh, the metaverse and you said and I told you look they're gonna create a better platform. I said yeah, but that's centralized. Your kids are screwed. We're all screwed. They know everything about uh-huh. us. 
that probably was the biggest aha moment mm-hmm. in that. In I'll that. give you mine. Um, I think the f- my favorite part is actually the thing you just said that none of the shit that we just spoke about for the past two hours has anything to do with crypto or mm-hmm. Bitcoin or DeFi or blockchain or right. Web3. Good point. Which is like, the, I think that's actually, if anybody has listened this far, um, I really hope that that's what they take away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I hope so as well. I mean, yeah. the, the, the future is bright. We're going through a purge right now. We go through a purge every four years, though. This is nothing new that we've seen in crypto. And, uh, you know, this should not shake people's confidence in where this space is going. It should actually improve it. Cool. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah. That'll be number two. Awesome. Yeah. Thank, so, you. Thank you, man. I appreciate you a lot.